Hello everyone, this is THE Trey Lamar and you are now listening to Wrestling Cheers. Making your way in the world today Takes everything you got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to go where you can see that troubles are all the same You want to go where everybody knows your name And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers where everybody knows your name Especially when you're the suplex shogun this is Wrestling Cheers. We'd like to talk about things going on the Northeast Ohio independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This is a special interview with Jackson Stone that is a part of Black History Month. I am your host, Justin Summers, and Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by the Trending Topics Network and Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe your ever listening to this fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash WrestlingCheers, Twitter.com slash WrestlingCheers, and Instagram.com slash WrestlingCheers. Email, if you so choose, desire, WrestlingCheers at gmail.com. And we have the merch store over at WoodManeuver.net. Like I said, we are here with Jackson Stone. Jackson Stone, how is it doing tonight? Yo, well, well, well. Good evening, everybody. Konbanwa to all those out there in Japan. And all around the world, everybody, Suplex Shogun is here, chilling out. Appreciate you guys for bringing me on, man. Uh, how's the Japanese coming along? Oh, brother. Uh, it's uh, actually very well. Ginky desu. <laughs> very, very well. Need to have you and Lee Mori- Moriarty on and have you both talk Japanese to each other and see if you can both understand each other. <laughs> we, yes, yes, we we will. Actually, last time I, I saw Lee, oh, man, it was at the um, AIW tryout. No, the trials that they had, I want to say like in uh, I was it, say April, it, March. No, dude, that was February. February, yeah, yeah, that was February. And we, we, yeah, we brought out some Japanese to each other. It was good. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, because I know you've been working on it. And I know he's been working on it. And uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. hopefully you guys get a chance to use it in real life, you know, over there. But, you know, time will tell. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, we I believe so. All in uh, all in good all in good faith and honestly, uh, all in good time. You know, speaking of that that show, uh AIW's Hey Yo, which was almost one year ago. I think it'll be one year ago next week or within about a week and a half or something around that, but yeah. or actually no, I think it's this uh, this coming weekend. So one thing that I loved about that show, there was a couple people that showed up on that show that debuted and I got really excited. But for you, it wasn't actually your debut. It was your return to AIW. Right. And to, right. to me, that was so cool because some people had probably forgotten about the one off appearance that you had back in, uh, I think that was like 2015. You know what? I would actually like to, I would, I would like to either say it was because some may look at it as a return. I did kind of look at it as a debut also because before then I wasn't, I wasn't Shogun, you know, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was somebody completely, completely different. Yeah. <laughs> even, even went by a completely different name. Uh, and you know, props up, if you can guess that to whoever, whoever can guess it, please, uh, if you message me, I will send you a free shirt. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it was, man, that was a fun, that was a horse battle. The horse. Uh, oh yeah. 
Oh, so I'm like, yeah, man. And that was a fun time. But then when I came back and finally kind of have my, I guess you said my evolution and went through my growth period to, uh, to come back and debut or return as Shogun, it, it just felt, it just felt amazing, man. To get that energy too, also it just showed how much, you know, how much love I had got throughout that time. And I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, it was a, it was a packed uh, match. It had Benjamin Boone, uh, Broadwick Shaw, John Greed, John Silver, John Silver and Big Mo. Yeah. And, and of course you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we recently went back and rewatched this. I watched it with Brian Carson. Not rewatched it. We reviewed it with uh, Brian Carson, Frankie Flynn, and Kaplan, who debuted on that show or had their first uh, singles match on that show. And oh, man. Be, and the way we went through it match by match. And like, I watched that match, uh, that Haas scramble. And I was like, I miss the Haas division so much. And we, the genius of John Silver that we're seeing on TV right now was there in AIW in 2015. Fucking nuts. Oh, most, definitely, most definitely, bro. Most definitely, man. <laughs> John Silver was an awesome person, bro. But having you come back, to AIW like how did that feel coming out after so long of not not wrestling in AIW wrestling elsewhere wrestling you know across the country across different parts of the world but you finally get another shot at AIW how did that feel I mean honestly bro, it felt like it felt like another great Saturday honestly <laughs> like <laughs> another great day to, to, to throw some people you know like I said like I to me I guess I you can look at it as a return, but I guess I look at it as a debut because, like, for me also, I, I was like, I went through a whole evolution just to, like, so when I got there, I was like, oh, okay, well, here here I am. And here's, like, I feel like the full version of who I am. And I, I just felt good to show show like myself off to people like that and to let people know, like, yeah, you know, this is this is what the Shogun, this is what sh- the Suplex Shogun is about. And to, de- and to debut or return, <laughs> Uh, with my I, uh, against a, a good person who I felt needs to go back to AIW more, especially when these borders open up in Holden Albright, it just made it just made it even better because before that, me and Hold me and Holden have been tearing it up uh, across the border up in uh, Toronto, and you know that's like that's kind of you know his area if you will, and so when he came down to Ohio to see me get the love that I got when I came out. He was like, "Oh my God!" So this is so you're you're me over here. I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, basically, you know, if you want you want to put in that in that kind of terms, man. So, yeah, it was a it was for me it was a great it was a, a great uh, great pleasure, great honor just to be in front of all the fans, you know, in front of all the people who show me love from being the other promotions like at Mega and you know PCW and all these other places around Midwest to be able to get love like you know. I come out, you know, it just, it felt, it felt really good, man. You know, hopefully when AI debris starts back up and with the shows and, you know, all that stuff gets going more, hopefully Shogun can, uh, can come back up and we can have some more matches, man. Cause definitely some people up at AIW, I want to, I want to have matches against bro. It's going to be interesting to see where AIW is when the world goes back to normal, because, you know, a lot of wrestlers have gotten signed and, or, or whatever, even, you know, some of the people that were used on that show, like, there's one in particular that now works for AEW and he, you yeah. know, he was a part of the new talent initiative and that was Alan angels. So there's so much potential. And I know AIW when they ran the two shows during Corona that they wanted to use a lot more, just like local talent or like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the Cleveland talent, which 
100% fine. I'm wondering where we're going to be with a lot of that, that I don't want to say outside talent, but the people outside of the Northeast Ohio area, because, you know, there were people like CPA and VSK from, you know, out there and like Creative Pro, like were used a lot. They weren't used on those two shows. And there was a lot of people that were used for the new talent initiative that weren't used, such as like yourself and AC Mac and a uh, handful of other people. So I'm just curious to see, if, you know, where we land. You know, man, wherever we land, just know that Shogun's going to be making his impact wherever. He's going to be making it loud. And understand that, um, honestly, bro, like, just sending love out to all the wrestlers out there that are still out there grinding and getting theirs wherever they can, man. Like, trust me, when doors open back up completely, this vaccine gets shipped out and people just start, you know, just start coming back together for crowds. I can't wait, man. Sorry, I can see, like, not just me, but just a bunch of people who are, just ready to get up to that next level, man. I can't wait to see them go there. Making an impact is uh, quite the word choice for you. <laughs> it is. It is on, yeah, on the head. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I mean, that's another cool thing that we did see that you were a part of gut check and you won. Like, yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think, I think impact is really riding under the radar right now. And like, I'm not saying that because I have you on, but it's something that I've like legitimately said to people, especially like, I think the women's division has, is the caliber to actually rival WWE. And a lot of people I know kind of like some people will kind of like look down like, Oh, it's impact. I'm like, no, like they have some like really good talent there. It's just, you don't recognize them as talent, but they are really good. So I would like to forget it. Say that honestly, because like for real, man, in my in my honest opinion, bro, like beforehand, this is even before I was signed. Like my my honest opinion was, all right, I'm going to go wherever I I can to get the most exposure, and that was either I had some talks with WWE, and I had some things going on with uh with Ring of Honor, but Impact was just the closest, and they also you know gave me the most opportunity, and and I I saw the most opportunity because before 2020, I, I honestly feel like Impact was on the cusp of something like amazing with like with wrestling. I mean, everybody on that roster at least was bringing something different. And, you know, honestly, with me being on the, with me being on the roster, I'm looking at everybody right there right now. I know it's thing. I know things are changing, but to be honest with you, I feel like with the, the, the new formula or with the new direction that they're going and, or just the direction they're going in general, I feel like it's really going to bring out the best. And a lot of people like you have Josh Alexander out there right now. You got Trey yeah. Miguel killing it. Rich Swan is always doing his thing. Sammy Callahan, you know, like you got a lot of these like high caliber, you know, athletes, honestly doing their thing. And I feel like with this AW, whatever you want to call it, working relationship, I feel like that's just going to bring out more. I don't know what exactly, but I feel like it's going to bring out more, and I think it's going to be more on the on the side of good for for not just AEW, not just Impact, but for for the business in general. That's something that I've been wanting to see for a long time, and seeing that we could potentially heading in that direction is the idea that maybe somehow, some way, you get Impact, AEW, New Japan, and ROH to work together and cr- basically create their own universe to where they intertwine here and there. And if I'm going to compare it to anything, maybe similar to the, you know, Marvel cinematic universe. That's what people want. And people want to be able to, um, cause they want to have it kind of like the video games, you know, where you can be like, Hey, you know, if we want to have a match with, uh, with so-and-so and, 
over here, over here in this promotion, let's have them come over here in that promotion. Let's have that match, you know, let's have that dream match. And, yeah. and, and let's really give the people what they want. And I mean, if it's working towards that, I'm so for it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. You know, I think that's just more opportunity, more chances for everybody to showcase what they can do. Um, but I mean, like I said, I just know that it's, I just know that once they really do it, man, like it's, it's going to be amazing. I, I just know that right now, Things are moving in a pretty interesting pace. I'm very, I'm very excited to see where things go. And Impact has done a lot within the past, you know, handful of months or even maybe close to a year that really surprise people and really get people interested. Uh, whether it be like just like the rise of uh, Ethan Page in the North, like that was that was so much fun to watch. I love seeing him and Josh Alexander together. And as much as I loved the North, as much as I loved Ethan Page, I've always had a love for Josh Alexander. So seeing him get a chance to be a single star has really made me happy. And then there's like a lot of other pickups, you know, Brian Myers, Matt Cardona, like having them. And I don't think Cardona's like long-term, but I know Myers is, and I know he's dedicated to the company. So I'm curious to see like where a lot of stuff with him goes, because I think he's a fantastic wrestler, but people look at him at, Oh, it's the guy that went to, and I mean, Owen 269. I mean, shoot. Honestly, look, everybody can, uh, you know, everybody can change their lives within three seconds of a pen. So for me, honestly, look, I just want to be able to, if if he's, and he's been showing up a lot, like on Impact and doing his thing on Impact. So honestly, if it's one of those things where he keeps up, you know, that intensity for sure, I mean, I hope I, I get a chance to have a match with him. Same thing with, uh, with Matt Cardona, you know. And, and I think the thing is, the thing that's, so cool about it right now is <laughs> just seeing that the evolution like their evolution because I, I i still see like yeah they're coming in with their their star power but it seems like still like their star power is growing in their own way like they're i guess they're moving it in their own way like brian myers does not seem like the brian myers brian myers of old if if you know what i mean like mm-hmm. he seems he seems more more intense more into it in this one and this and that's good to see so I mean, like you know, and Matt Cardone, of course, dude looks amazing. So you know, he, he moves just as as good in the ring. So again, I just can't wait to see what they bring. I hope that I can have a match with the guys for real. I hope I can get some suplexes in, and we can get going with that. Let's uh, let's take a jump into video games. Uh, what was your introduction to a video games? Where did your where did you start off at? Man, you know, I'm oh man, I remember I first started playing when I was. Uh, when I was like around three or four, I would say Sega. No, I'm not Sega. Sorry, Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo, uh, Super NES. What was your favorite game on the Super NES? Well, you know, we had the we had the Super Mario Brothers, of course, but Duck Hunter was a great one. Um, but then also, of course, when that came, like when that was starting to kind of go off, um, Sega came through. Sega Genesis came through, and then Sega introduced Sonic. And so, of course, I was like a big change from. I, I mark the Super Mario Bros. like jump, you know, jumping platforms and whatnot to the crazy speed of Sonic at that time, you know, the crazy like levels and whatnot, <laughs> you know, that Sonic had, especially with just like just the whole, the whole general, like the whole Sega, that first Sega generation was just amazing, man. Like just that entire, like from Street, the Street Fighter games that, that were, uh, that were, uh, on there to the Mortal Kombat games that were on there to, um, God, man, they had so many different, like, have probably virtual fighting. How virtual fighting didn't come out yet on that one? Oh my gosh, there's so many like SNK. 
there's a lot of different games that came out on Sega Genesis. I'm just like, I'm drawing a blank right now, but it was so much. But it was just a really good generation. Went from there and then went to um, Sega, ended up going to no, Nintendo 64 and then Sega Dreamcast. And then from Sega Dreamcast to PS1 and then PS1 to PS2. And then honestly, bro, I've been, I've been PlayStation ever since, actually. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until just now. Like, I've been PlayStation my whole life. Kind of feel like a lot of people went that route. I got off PlayStation when the PS3 came out and just the, the price of that system at that time, I, I couldn't afford it. And then I had a Xbox 360 literally fall in my lap. I got it for like 70 bucks. How did you have it fall in your lap? I don't know. I don't, I don't exactly know how uh, my friend got it, but he, he had uh, a 360 with no cords and he was going to sell it to me for, I think, I think he was selling it to me for 70. Another friend of mine owed me money and I was like, pay him what you owe me. And then I'm going to pay you the rest. And luckily I had, I had a different friend, no way associated. Cause I have to preface that I had a friend who had cords for a 360, but no 360 anymore. So then I, <laughs> that's how I ended up uh, being an Xbox guy. I uh, see. I see. So just by, just by, like you said, just by chance, really. Yeah. Nice, nice. You know, I mean, I, I uh, always enjoy playing like Xbox, like that system that like, my cousin or like a good friend of mine always had. I just came through and they always had it. And uh, again, for me, I didn't really mind it. It's just, I just always happened to just, I guess, be more attracted to the PlayStation platform. And I've just been going with it ever since. Right now, I've been really enjoying the, um, the Yakuza series on PlayStation 4. And I just, I, I love that series. Such a good, such a fun game. What guy gave you like playing, man? I've kind of like got off from playing as much anymore. Like I've just kind of not been into it. I know I, I'm always going to be a Madden person. Love like sports games and whatnot. Yeah. Mainly just Madden. I think I can't get into any other, uh, sport. Like I remember when I was a kid, I used to play baseball games on like my computer. Oh, for real. And trying to play baseball games now, on a modern system, I'm like, it's not the same that I remember. And it's not as simple as I remember, but I can, I can play, you know, Madden or whatever and just be all into it. But then I think for me, it kind of depends on the franchise. Like I used to love getting call of duty every year. And that was more about the multiplayer than the campaign. Cause I know a lot of people always complain about like, Oh, you're paying all the money every year for pretty much the same game. And I'm like, no, I'm still like getting on and playing online with my friends and like that's just power hanging out and then there's mm. other franchises like i used to love which I, th- I think i'm behind on at one game or i'm in the middle of one i and i haven't picked it back up in a while but uh call it uh, not call of duty gears of war love gears of war and that was like when i got a 360 the f- one of the first games i got was gears of war one and then like literally within like a month after i got my 360 gears of war 2 came out and i just put down one and picked up two and then I played them all and ended up going back and finishing one again. But yeah, to me, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite franchises. You know, the, um, I would say right now, like in terms of like, fr- like actual franchise, like of all time that I, I can't get enough of is always going to be crash. Like I always love the crash franchise. I mean, that's PlayStation, but I just, in terms of like, just like overall franchises has always been crash. He's always been my favorite. And I would say anything, Oh man, I really I might go with 
and this is going to hurt some of the, uh, especially Mo. I don't know. I think Mo, Mo might be okay with the big Mo. Uh, Tekken. I always love the Tekken series. Um, just always love like the, like just like the the movement, the the crazy fighters on that. So a lot of people may know that from like the that crazy uh, Brazilian fighter Eddie Gordo. But I love I love Tekken man. My favorite PlayStation franchise that we don't get anymore, and it's crazy because it was it was big during PlayStation One. It had a really good early PlayStation Two game. They made a PlayStation Three game, and we haven't seen anything since then. And it actually had, I think, a PSP title too, Twisted Metal. Well, you know, they was talking about bringing that back, and um, yeah, I don't know what happened to it, but you know, they made uh, you so the movie Mad Max. They came up with a video game that's not like a, it's, it's kind of like a tie-in to like to the movie. It's not, it's not an actual like, hey, like this is this is to the movie, but it's just like small like little tie-in, like offshoot of like, hey, this is what this is what uh, I guess this is what this is in the universe or whatever. But man, it was such a good, it was such a great game. It came out for, it came out for the PS4. I think it also came out for, uh, for 360. But um, the the mechanics in that for driving is exactly like how you would picture uh, a twisted metal uh, game right now. So if you were to twi- like picture, like, hey, how would a twisted metal game look in today's engine? Just look up Mad Max. And that's exactly how it would be. It would be it's such a great game. Like you have like you have gra- this grappler, this little grappler you can throw onto people's uh, tires and pull off their tires. You have like these missiles that you can launch. It, you have like spikes on your car for defense. It's a it's a great game. Like people jump onto the hood of your car to try to dismantle it. It's a it's a very very fun game. And also too, while you're driving, because you know like in that movie, you like in that movie they had like that scene when they were driving to the snow the sandstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the game, you can actually drive into the sandstorm and also just get and get everybody just all fucked up and messed up throughout the, uh, you know, the drive, you know, and as I said, it's a really good game. That but almost, I mean, it kind of like reflected that twisted metal vibe that you were talking about. Yeah, That almost reminds me of a particular game that people don't like, and that's movie tie ins. But there's some that I think are really good. And one of my favorites that it's, it was obviously luckily one of the, not one of those ones that had to be made like right at the same time a movie was being made. It was an older movie they made into a video game. So they had much more time to play with it. And they also did the kind of similar thing to where you're talking about where it's in the same universe, but you're not playing as the main characters of the movie. And that was Godfather. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. The Godfather. I did uh, play that one. That was pretty cool. I had, the, that was- I had the first one for, PSP, Wii, and 360. The best visually was obviously the 360. And I just used to love that game so much. Because it's like, if you like Grand Theft Auto, you like Saints Row, you like games like that, it's just the same thing with an older twist. But tying into the movie, like one of the missions is where you have to go into this horse stable uh, and basically cut off the horse's head. They obviously don't show it to you. But you have to put it into the guy who owns the house, his bed, because it ties into the movie when the guy wakes up and his prize winning horse, his head is like right next to him. Yeah. And like, that's, yeah. I, I kind of grew up with uh movie tie-ins. Like that was my dad's like cheap way of buying video games. Cause he didn't know better. My dad was like almost 40 years uh, older than me. So he, he would see like, Oh, you, we like the movie home alone. So I'm going to buy home alone for you on super Nintendo. 
<laughs> like, all right, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll go with that then. <laughs> hey man, hey man, yeah, hey, take this. <laughs> That's I mean, funny. You know, like, um, I mean, they had other movie ties. I'm, I actually kind of like, like they had a the Scarface. They had a Scarface video game that was in PlayStation. That was on, I think, it came out on PlayStation Two. Yeah, and it was actually pretty cool. It was actually pretty dope. Like he survived getting shot. And uh, he, he like, basically crawled out the back and went from there. Um, so yeah, I remember like it was that. And there was a couple movie tie-ins, man. I just like that was actually pretty decent. Like the Ma- Enter the Matrix, like when like when the Matrix had their video games coming out. Yeah. They had some video game tie-ins um, where you played as uh, like like the people of like this other ship. And your whole thing is just trying to deliver the actual message of um of the oracle to morpheus and that was like and i think like that was like your tie-in of number one and two but it was like it was a overall it was a good game like they had like the bullet time that was when everybody was slowing everything down <laughs> and you could do like bullet time shooting that scarface game reminds me that i need to revisit that one because when that game originally came out i had a psp i didn't really have a modern system so because that also came actually around the same time as the godfather and their PSP games for both of those were kind of watered down. And I've got to revisit Godfather, but I've never got to revisit the uh, Scarface game. Like I had it for the Wii. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It just I couldn't get into it as much just because how the Wii was. So what I do want to do, because I do have a PS2, I do want to I need to rebuy it and play it from beginning because that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Scarface. And Yo, you know, oh, go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. No, no, but no, but you just have you just remind me of something though. Like another good movie tie-in <laughs> had nothing to do with Scarface though. But I just you talking about movies just remind me of Space Jam. Space Jam actually had a really good basketball game. <laughs> it's had a really good basketball. One of the few one of the few '90s basketball games you could play as Michael Jordan. Is that PlayStation era? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that play. Yeah, that's PlayStation era because that was one of the few eras you could actually. Play as Michael Jordan in the nineties. I didn't know that you couldn't play as Michael Jordan in video games. No, do I? And like from NBA Shootout to like NBA, uh, like all the ninety eight, ninety nine basketball games, like like NBA Live, NBA Shootout. Yeah, those games they always had like a uh, ball head guy with no name on the back. It always be the like twenty three or forty five. So basically, Michael Jordan was the original Bill Belichick. What do you mean by that? If I'm correct, Bill Belichick is not featured in Madden games. If you see a sideline coach, yeah. it doesn't say Bill Belichick. It says like yeah, New, no, New England coach. He was. He definitely was. Because every time I every time I took like a shot, I made a shot with like the guy that was like 23. He just had he had crazy stats, but he never never said Michael Jordan. I did not know that. Yeah, but Space Jam was the only one where if you played the game, it literally was it said Michael Jordan. Oh, so, so that. I, so that means we got to get a good LeBron uh, Space Jam two game then. Oh, we definitely get uh, <laughs> uh, updated Space <laughs> LeBron Space Jam, and that'd be uh, Michael Jordan as a likable character. <laughs> oh, that oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> that'd be so much fun. So yeah, I mean, like I, honestly, like I love, um, yeah, I love that Space Jam game though. That was fun. Yeah, I don't even remember that game, but that's something I'm gonna have to look up. I mean, granted, I. I never had a PlayStation one. My one of my best friends did. And I used to always go over to his house to play PlayStation. Like that's where I was introduced to like Twisted Metal. 
and right. that was our game forever. But yeah, Space Jam game sounds interesting, sounds fun. But yeah, I didn't know you couldn't play as Michael Jordan all those games. See, that's why I'm, I'm more of a Shaq fan than anything. You say you're more of a Shaq fan? Oh, I God, I love Shaq. Yeah, yeah, he was a he's top five, top five for me. Like, who would be your top five? I guess all the time. Uh, Shaq number one, hands down. Like he was the reason why I liked basketball. I have to, I gotta put LeBron too, because he helped win my city a championship. And I can't, I can't put him. Like, I'm not going to put him above Shaq, but you know what? I'll give him number two. Were you one of the people that burned his jerseys? No. Uh, actually, <laughs> uh, I have the, uh, my original jersey behind me. When that happened, like, I had just bought, uh, granted, like, I bought a used uh, LeBron jersey on eBay th- three or four months before the decision. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think about it. I'm not going to burn it. Like, I just, like, put it up. And then when he came back, I pulled that thing out of storage and I started wearing it again. But, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't uh, disgrace him and not put him at least somewhere on my list. At least two. Shaq for me, though, I literally have a jersey from every single team he's played on. And all but the Magics, I have them in adult sizes. The Magics and the Lakers, I have my original uh, youth size that I wore as a kid. Nice, dude. I still no. That's that. That's okay. Like that's because um. I still have my. That's why I still have my U size uh, like uh, Grant Hill jersey yeah. back back when Grant Hill was actually balling. Back, oh, yeah. back when we made like all star team. Oh yeah, I have that one. Um, I had a Shaq one, but I, oh man, I lost it. Was like it was when he was on the Magic too. But yeah, so like so all right. So you said Shaq and Braun are number are one and two. Who's next? Uh, number three, I always like Scottie Pippen. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, and then, and- like, after that, it, it comes a little bit harder because those were always, like, three of my favorites one way or another. All right. <laughs> I, I would maybe go, uh, maybe it's because of the time we're in, but, like, Kobe 4, it's hard, mm. you know, his legacy now that he's passed and everything. But Yeah, man. And especially like even hearing like a lot of the stuff between him and Shaq. And then I remember listening to a podcast with Shaq and Kobe and then like talking about everything. And as far as what I remember, it was like, yeah, everybody has a blown out of proportion. Like it's nowhere near what everybody thought it was and all this kind of stuff. Right. And uh, number five. Oh, you know, uh, I used to love him as a kid. He was never one of my favorites to where I wanted a jersey, but David Robinson. Dave Robinson. Interesting. Ab- the admirable. Uh-huh. That's interesting. I thought I thought he was just cool as shit. And then like for the Spurs to go for this long span, because I think they did they did have Robinson and Duncan at the same time, but it was I don't I don't exactly remember the period, but basically you have Dave Robinson for many years and then you have Tim Duncan for so many years. Like that's like two like two Hall of Fame players. Yeah. That's like I mean, how many championships between them both, you know? I'm not sure off the top of my head. I yeah, I would say, man, so all right, so let me see then. Shaq, I'm definitely putting Shaq up there. Um, Allen Iverson. Okay. Uh, I, and, and I go off of the quote that Kobe said, if AI was, wasn't, was like, if he wasn't 6'5", if AI was 6'5", he, we'd be over. It'd be, it'd be a done game. Um, I'd probably say, yeah, all right. Shaq, AI, Kobe, Mike, and, um, oh, man, you know what? I, I can't, I can't hate... I gotta put Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. I love Ben Wallace. Okay. 
I was a huge Ben Wallace fan. Like, bro, like when he was part of like the 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 0-4-0-3 Pistons, I man, that was just like, the ultimate squad. And he was just like just the, he for me, I feel like he 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 was kind of like Dennis Rodman that when in that respect when he like I mean he really changed the game was like rebounding and defense to me. I mean like not like how Shaq like Shaq changed the game, but I feel like. Just Ben Wallace just brought something, just a greediness that people just don't just don't even appreciate or de- don't get honestly too much. But I would say yeah, those two, and also Chauncey Billups as a as a as a auxiliary pick because you know I gotta go with the captain. You know one of the reasons why I love Shaq so much. What it's uh it's because the first rap album I ever got was Shaq Diesel, <laughs> and I'm being a hundred percent serious. Yeah, uh, there was a, there was a bunch of videos about that where people are like yeah no Shaq uh Shaq wrote his own verse <laughs> yeah Shaq wrote his own verse I uh I remember I bought the Shaq Fu game actually that was another game on Sega Genesis I had Shaq Fu I still have that game somewhere around here I know I do I I purposely kept that game even though there's I know a website out there dedicated to destroying every copy one of my best friends hates Shaq so much and all this kind of stuff like I don't care like to me, why I, I don't know. I forget his reasoning for not liking Shaq. <laughs> a website dedicated to destroying Shaq Fu. That's crazy. Yeah, they want to destroy every copy because the game's so bad. I'm like, I don't know. I'm I think because if I'm correct too, if you bought that game when it came out, and I I don't know if it was the Sega version or not. I swear it came with an album. I, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if it did because I was during the time because you like Shaq Fu. Did he do Kazam around that time also? I think Kazam was a little later. It was like, because it was like he did and Kazam and I think Steel was later too. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. was later on. But yeah, he was just getting into music around that time anyway. So yeah, man, like, I would definitely say um, Shaq Fu was just that, it was just that shit. And also, I thought they came up with the updated version of Shaq Fu, if I'm not mistaken. I think they did. I never bought it. It was like, <laughs> never, it was like, I know it was like for around the 360 or the Xbox One, like within the like recent generations. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I, I never bought it. It might have been a money thing or, or something. That's that's funny. Yeah, man. I think um, if I could ever have a Shogun food or a Shogun video, video game, I'd be happy with that. Let's <laughs> just go around suplexing, suplexing all the foes. That'd be fun. That'd be really fun. <laughs> you, know, you know, um, you know, one one thing that about that Shaq food game account about what Shaq, I guess, it just in general, it reminds me of. He just reminds me of like just that one person who just he's like Snoop Dogg. He just goes around just doing like random stuff now. I oh, love it. Yeah, he's, he's. I feel like he's been like that forever. Yeah, like he just goes around just doing random stuff. Like it's, it's just what he had, he had his own before Corona happened. He had his own like his own uh, DJ thing going on. Mm-hmm. I I love that man. He's, I lost. I got hit up a Shaq. I got hit up a Shaq concert. <laughs> I would love to. See if he had ever done a a rap concert back in the day. He probably did. Cause like, <laughs> what, what would the Shaq tour have been like? Like it had to be during the off season. It had to be during the off season, man. I mean, it had to be like you know all the all the crazy college campuses. <laughs> It'll yeah. only be on college campuses only. I've never even thought about Shaq having a concert till now. Now I'm like mind blown no, thinking of like 1993 Shaq in Orlando. <laughs> You know, pulling off like local concerts and everything like that'd be great. He has a flat top. <laughs> God, I, I don't care what people say. I love that dude. I think he's one of those people that 
he might have been told at one point of his life that he can't do something because everything now it's just he's trying to do it one way yeah. or another. He's put himself in like I mean out, like acting I obviously and like that man. I, I think I think he's just always been like that. He's been one of those guys like you know what? Let me just if I can do it, why not? You know, <laughs> like, like if it's there, he's very close to probably the number one person I want to like meet like celebrity wise just because of how long I followed his career and all this kind of stuff. And, and like when he came to Cleveland, I was really excited. Like, Oh my God, my favorite player is now playing for the Cavaliers. Oh my God, this is gonna be great. And I actually got tickets to a game during that season. I think I got a, in February, the game was in March and within that month or so he got injured and he wasn't even at the game. I was so sad. <laughs> but still my favorite. Definitely. You know, I still have a, uh, speaking of like jerseys that we still have, I still have uh, my Barry Sanders jersey and um, my John Randall. I don't even know, like, not to me, and it's sad, not to me, people should like know John Randall. I mean, I feel like if you're a football official, you will, but John Randall is just, honestly, man, like, one of the, the beast of the 90s in terms of D tackles. So like, he was like the Warren, like, Warren Sapp before Warren Sapp came through. And um, he was part of the Vikings, but I still have his jersey and Barry Sanders' jersey. It's just like you mentioning you have Shaq's jersey just made me think of that. Can we talk about Matt Stafford? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I just wanted to poke you for a second. <laughs> no, it's, for me, I'm like, for me, I'm like, look, they're, they're going to make their decisions. I can't even. It's one of those like, look, after they, I think I stopped caring. After they let go of Calvin, after they gave Calvin Johnson a reason to leave. Yeah. After they gave Calvin Johnson a reason to leave, I was like, you know what? We, we can't do anything with you guys. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you guys emotional support. That, that's like, uh, I just heard the stat and I don't exactly remember what it was, but it was in between Tom Brady's first Super Bowl and this last one, Calvin Johnson came into the league, retired and went into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> like you know, like uh, Calvin Johnson. Man, you know it's so funny. Like the 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 more I think about, it, just there's so many opportunities that the Lions had with him, man. So many opportunities that we had. Like, and uh, the thing is, too, all they needed, all the Lions needed to do was get him a running back and a fullback and a tight end. Give him a running back, fullback, and a tight end. Just give him people that could that that could take pressure off of him. That's all. That's all, man. It is not difficult. I had some conversation with some Lions fans recently where the question was, what fan base has it worse, Detroit or Cleveland? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say right now it's definitely going to be Detroit because at least with Cleveland, because things with Cleveland, like you guys had, like, uh, you guys had, um, like in terms of sports fan base, like you guys have like the, you know, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers that you can fall back on, at least still, that's still like fresh with you guys, you know, but, when it comes down to Detroit, like fans in general, we don't. No, we're 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 suffering right now. Like our red red wings are dry, our Detroit Pistons. I mean, they they're actually on a nice little winning streak right now. But how long is that gonna last? I mean, and then also Detroit Lions. It's like, oh man, it's it's just a headache every time because like one of things like you guys should be way better than what you are right now. But <laughs> but it's just straight trash. I think you can be straight. Like, but I mean. Again, it, it's a toss up though. It's a toss because like Cleveland, Cleveland fans they have they have it rough sometimes, man. The way I look at it, like I can't count this year for 
the Browns as like, all right, you know, the, the Browns are turning around. I need to see a couple more seasons like that. Cause I know the, the Lions have, if I'm correct, have at least made it to the playoffs within uh, some recent memory. I think they were, they were like one and done, but there's been, there's been a little bit of success, but are, I think have the Cleveland not been playoffs at all. I mean, before this year, I mean, we made, we just made it to the playoffs this year and we won a game, but that's been the first time since the first playoff appearance since 2003, 2004 and the first playoff victory since 1994, uh, 1995, if I'm correct. Okay. So like, it had been a long time and like the the math that I did, I feel that between the Pistons and the Cavs, they're somewhat equal. Like, yeah, we won a championship more recently, but both teams have won championships within uh this century, like since two thousand. So I'm like, yeah, we've we've had our ups and downs, but we both captured a championship within my lifetime. So I look at it as we're we're kind of the same there. The yeah. our baseball teams are both kind of cursed. Uh the last time, and I thought that this was like a weird number. The last time we won the World Series was 1948. The last time the Tigers won the World Series was 1984. So, yeah. So 48, 84. 84. The, re- that the reverse. Yeah, I, I pulled that up and I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. That's weird. That's very weird. Damn. <laughs> like if, if we take out the recent success of the Browns, one of the main things I look at it as we had our team taken away from us. That sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did get your team swiped. They just say, "Hey, you know what? You guys, give 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 us your, just give us your team. Just give it to us." That is crazy. And I what I, what I was telling these Detroit fans is like, I get it, and you know we have we have all this, but they would go, "Well, you know we've had Hall of Fame players, and you know we couldn't do anything with that." And I was like but you guys at least had success. They tried to tell me that they would rather have no success with shitty players than barely anything with Hall of Fame players. Like, oh, we should have won playoff games in this. I'm like, well, I don't know. Ever since you've I mean, had Matt Stafford, you want all the quarterbacks we've had? Because I sure as hell wouldn't. I don't know, man. To be honest with you, that, like, it kind of, in a way, that's kind of like a two-way argument because – I would, I would love, I would love the Detroit Lions to have won more games for Barry Sanders' sake, for for Barry Sanders' sake. Like there were, there were a lot of games that the Lions could have won, and because that's like so much, like stretches goes on to like Barry Sanders' like own bodies just from just just to get some yardage, that it would be nice for them to have paid that off with some wins. And same thing for like Calvin Johnson. Like you, you put so much money into getting these particular positions, why not just, why not win some games? Why not win yeah. when are you here, you know? <laughs> and, and I, and I guess like for me is, is as a Detroit fan, it's like, they, it's like, they get it, they, they get their tools and they don't know what they, they don't know what to do with it. It's like, they get, they get toys that they, that they ask for. And they like, Oh man, you know, we're so excited, excited to get this. We wanted this the whole time. And they finally get it. They're like, we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what do you mean? You don't know what to do with it. You protect it. You know, like, like again, like Calvin Johnson needed he needed uh, a running back to take the pressure off of him. He needed a, a fullback to be able to help the running back take pressure off of him. He needed a tight end to be able to take you know to take pressure off. You know, if he wasn't if he wasn't uh, able to to go deep with it, like, and it's just so crazy how they just did not answer it. And um, again, it's just. You know the Fords, the Fords. You know they were old and owning Detroit. I don't know what the situation is right now with that, but 
I think the ownership has kind of like is in somebody else's hands now. So we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. I'm see. I'm hoping that I'm just hoping that the Pistons can make a comeback as Detroit Bad Boys because I really miss that era. I really miss that like that that type of play. What's the most popular sport in Detroit? Dude, oh man, I would say it's a toss up between. I mean. Shit, it's a toss between which team is winning. <laughs> but I'll say, uh, yeah. um, sounds right like, now, sounds like Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Midwest it ain't ain't so different. <laughs> but I would say right now it would be probably um, just because basketball is going. It would probably be basketball. Like I have been seeing a lot of people rock the Pistons jersey around more. Um, I mean, like the sports there. Like whenever, whenever sports are going, like Detroit fans are are there for support. Like we're we're with the support for sure. But it's just uh, we, we you gotta drag us along for it. You gotta you gotta, you gotta put that uh put that proverbial cookie in front of us while we run. <laughs> is the classic like because the thing with deeper sports is is like you get there, you get there, and we're just gonna we're just gonna pull that rug from under you. So like I don't know if you remember the um. I, like the Red Wings when they lost to the Penguins. Oh my gosh, that was so hard because that was so disheartening. I think that was like in the mid 2010s. It's like they had a chance to they they had a chance to beat the Penguins. They were winning like I think three to one, and all of a sudden they just like three to one in the series, and they just let the Penguins come back. I was like, what is this? So it's just it's just classic, it's classic Detroit stuff sometimes. Classic Detroit sports, man. But. Honestly, the thing is, I really hope that they can turn that around. Like, if we can just get back to the to the ways of of Detroit Pistons '04, and then and then hopefully get some hopefully get some good uh some good Lions uh coaching and players, especially you know some some more uh, athletic choices for you know the the skill positions will be better. I mean, when I when I say that with Cleveland, the most popular team is or sport is the one that's winning. Yeah. I, I, I say I kind of say that as a joke because I feel like when it comes to Cleveland, like our number one sport to me is football. Like we live. In, I would agree with that. Like that team could be horrible. We, I mean, we, our zero and sixteen season probably still had decent attendance. Definitely wasn't. Know. It wasn't the big sellouts, but the, I mean, there were people going to games because they're uh, kind of like everything you get with tailgating. So. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's where our heart lies. And granted, this is the area that, you know, the the NFL was started at down in Canton. So there, there is a little bit of the heart of the league and f- love of football here. So there's that. But there is also the aspect of like, if you're, t- if the team's winning, it's going to feel, a, it's going to feel more popular. Like when the Indians in the nineties were, you know, going to the world series, it felt like baseball was more popular. Uh, Asia league is my favorite movie. Oh, I've got a lot. Uh, Major League One and Two are both awesome. League, you know. Um, to be honest with you, I think I don't know. I'm it's kind of a toss up for you guys because a lot of times, like whenever I talk to anybody at Cleveland, they always talk about uh, basketball. But I, I guess I was more so when LeBron was there. Yeah. So, so you know, I probably that probably changed. But um, but yeah, man. Like it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting um interesting sports behavior. Of the Midwest, because it's like, yeah, wherever team is winning, we're gonna we're gonna fuck with that team. <laughs> so, but um, do you do you watch the UFC at all? By the way, I don't or get MMA? I don't I don't get into too much because for me, if I get into it, I need somebody like I have to 
become a fan of somebody and it's a little bit harder for me with MMA, mm-hmm. but there are a handful of people that I do like people probably getting tired of hearing it on the show, but I went to school with Jessica evil eye. So I'm a fan of hers. Oh, nice. And then obviously with Stipe being from Cleveland and uh, he has connections. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, no, yeah, but I see yeah, Stipe being from Cleveland. That makes sense. Yeah. And I've got to, I got to meet him a couple times. Like he's cool as shit. So like, I'm a fan of his, but like outside of that, like I have to find some reason to get invested into a fighter. I just can't go, okay, I'm going to watch random fight and go, I'm going to pick this guy and follow him. That for some reason, that's really difficult for me to do. No, you're fine, man. You're fine. I think, I guess like I, I look into each fighter's back backstory a lot. Like a lot of times, like I like the, uh, the countdowns that they have. And a lot of the countdowns kind of just goes to like their backstory and you know, just like, you know, what they did to get there and whatnot. And yeah. I just I like looking at like the, the build up of the stories. I mean, of course, there's no we don't have like no Mike Tyson's of the, of the day and age now. But I do love just listening to like how these guys just came up from where they were to now. I just, you know, I just really enjoy it because it kind of relates to wrestling a lot of times. You know, a lot of guys, they go out there and they bust their ass, for, you know, for however long they can, you know, to get to where they, you know, to get to where they can. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting business. Yeah. Just, I have that little bit of a trouble getting into it, but I think it also comes from, I know a lot of people that went from liking professional wrestling to liking MMA and part of the reason behind it, it was like, Oh, because I like this because it's real. And I'm like, well, like I know professional wrestling's, you know, it's scripted, but I'm not going to just jump into this sport because it's legitimate. That's such an interesting statement. My, my bad to cut you off on that one. No, no. That statement, that statement is always interesting for real. Because like when people say like, "Oh, wrestling's fake," it's like, you know, have you ever like actually gone into the ring? Have you actually like ran ropes? And it's like, oh, all right. Well, the, the conversation I always have with those kind of people, and like even not being a wrestler, I'm like, well, yeah, but most of the television shows and movies you like are scripted too. But you you like those? Like that's not really those actors getting in those situations like they're reading from a script and their stunt doubles and all this other kind of stuff like but why can't you like professional wrestling the same way like you you can say like i just don't get into it that's fine because there's a lot of you know tv shows and everything i don't get i can't get into so that's understandable but at the end of the day it's all scripted no hey man it's just something to tug at your emotions that's all man something that something to get you going you know you know in a way professional wrestling and i've heard this said before and i it's a hundred percent true that it's uh it's a lot like a comic book and even the the analogy i heard as a kid or someone who said when they were a kid you know people had the superman and batman he's like well i have you know hulk hogan and macho man and that's kind of how i look at it. like i i wasn't as big into batman and spider-man growing up i was big into bret hart and Shawn michaels yeah, and like you know, like we mentioned in, in the beginning, like like anim- to me, anime reflects comic books, and comic books reflect wrestling a lot, bro. And to me, I feel like it's it's all there's just something just to make you feel emo- emotionally charged, or to take you out of of you know a situation to bring you into like some type of I like, guess imaginative understanding or thought process, you know. Who were uh, some of your favorite comic book characters? Oh man, I mean, other than other than the Hulk, like you know, uh, I was always a big Deadpool fan, always a big Spawn fan, uh, big Blade fan. Mainly like the I love the X Men, love the X Men story. Um, I would say like if I would say okay, so top top three, 
it would definitely be the Hulk, um, Deadpool, and a third. I'd probably say, I'd probably say Wolverine. Probably go Wolverine on that one. Flip side of that, what's your uh, top three favorite villains? Oh, you know, it's actually funny. That's actually easier. <laughs> um, but I'm a, I'm gonna go with Doctor Doom, Lex Luthor, and even though he's not a villain, he's a villain to a lot of people. Magneto. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Magneto you know, is I, definitely one of those characters that it's like he's the quote bad guy, but he's not necessarily the bad guy because I remember watching, I think it was the cartoon, and there was like a moment in like the episode where Professor X and Magneto were like working together. Well, if you look at the um, the actual, I, I the, the structure of it, the um, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby when they made uh, Magneto and Doctor X, they had Malcolm X and Dr. King in mind. So, uh, so Dr. X is actually supposed to represent Martin Luther King and, and Magneto is supposed to represent Malcolm X. And, and a lot of their teachings or a lot of like the things that they were like going at, like their methods were kind of represent representative of both thought processes, you know, because like a lot of times like for Malcolm X, uh, he was like, well, you know, like we're ready to fight back however, however we have to by any means necessary. But, um, you know, like, you know, we want peace, but I mean, if you're not going to give us peace, well, we're going to just take our peace. And, but then Martin Luther King, he was like, you know, of course, the more peaceful route and of course, the, you know, turn the other cheek type type of deal. But also he was, I, and, and uh, again, he, he was also like the leader of like the young in, in a way and kind of bringing up like, bringing up people to be their own leaders and stuff like that. So I, I guess I always liked how they had that dynamic of them. And I guess I never really knows that till really like now that I really enjoy just that dynamic of uh, Professor X and Magneto together. Are you interested and excited to see the X-Men be thrown into the MCU? Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, with, with WandaVision, I think that's great to see how, how, uh, how everything is going on with that. Like with like uh, seeing Petro, um, coming out, or you know, and then seeing, uh, seeing how, how possibly I don't know how, but how you know it might be Magneto might be making a cameo appearance in one division. So that'll be something to look forward to. See, I'm not sure if they're gonna go the Magneto route, but the fact that they've introduced Pedro this way, like I fig, I figured it was coming. Like somewhere in WandaVision, this was happening, but hap- have it happening so soon, or at least like halfway in the, in the this series run, blew my mind. And I'm, I mean, I, I, curious to see where we're going. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, bro, I, I thought it was just like a great, I thought it was like a great turn, and I think it's something that's like, uh, I don't know, I just think that if they can, if they keep that up, I just think like when, like when they really start getting like Spider Man into it and stuff like that, I just think it's just gonna be just great, bro. Yeah, because where we're going with this like multiverse thing, because this seems to have some multiverse in it, because we know it's going to go into the Doctor Strange movie, Spider-Man, the next one, it's going to have a huge multiverse aspect to it. So, God, where everything's lining up is just a big question. It's really crazy to see how the MCU has evolved, like going back to Iron Man 1 and Incredible Hulk. When those came out, and like those were the only MCU movies, and like the fact that both of them have these end credit scenes that tied them together. I remember that being such huge hype, but then the question was like, all right, how are they going to pull this off? 
And then slowly but surely, every year they've released movies to show you how it could work, leading up to obviously to the Avengers, and which was just going that length from Iron Man to Thor and Captain America. Turk took that idea and just took it, just took it to a magnificent spot we where we couldn't think it could go with the universe. Then they're like, all right, now watch. At the end of this movie, we're going to tease a villain and we're going to spend the next like five years building him. No, actually, no, like six, seven years building him and boom, like everything with Thanos and all the the universe that they built with it. It's crazy because I feel like ever since those that's Iron Man Hulk movies, they've gotten just a little bigger and then a little bigger and a little bigger. And then when you look back, you're like, wow. This has gotten so huge by just adding so many wrinkles here and there. Oh, yeah. Like, and man, that's just great storytelling, bro. Just like of just giving a little bit by little, little by little, you know, not not going too crazy. And, you know, just saying, hey, you know, we have our we have the amount we're going to be given for this movie. We have our plans for, for this character. We have our plans for this particular story arc, you know, and, and sticking to that, I think, is one of the bigger pivotal things of uh, of the MCU. Like. I just loved how they were able to wow wow they had like that massive story going on that they had um in the background of Thanos and everything gathering that they had everybody else dealing with their own individual storylines as well you know and and again I, I really enjoy that they are able to be like all right well we're going to now use Wanda as this kind of like not like the 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 big bad of, of the series but the but the old, like, but the bad of this of this particular season of Wandavision, you know, she may not be the the big bad overall, but she is going to be a, a a big cause for. I feel the the future big bad. Like I feel like she could be the reason why a lot of people get. I feel like she could be the reason why a lot of movies might come into existence or might not, you know, be in existence. Because you know, like, like there was that comic book where she essentially wiped out half of the mutant population. And I'm thinking, well, what if there's a time when she wipes out half the hero population or if she does something where she just like does another Thanos and she just snaps people into like out of existence? Because, again, that happened in the comic book. So what what's stopping them from having her do something like that here just in a different way? You know, it doesn't have to be like Thanos, but it could be something of a similar nature. Like it could be completely reconstructing uh, a universe because we already see now that she can. You know, and and I'm telling you, but I just I love I just love storytelling. Like from the get from the get of WandaVision, like from that black and white episode to now, I just love how they're constructing everything because like everything they they're doing is just for a reason. You know, like you know, how we had in that first episode that woman with that woman telling her husband to stop it, and he was choking repeatedly. You know, I I just love that. Like or or like when um, Dottie breaks out of um wanting to spell for a second to ask who is she and she brings it back you know like i just all that stuff bro. like just the a- agent romanon just how how they present her uh, i i honestly I, i'm excited for this entire thing if they bring in steven strange and we get mephisto or nightmare for this whole at the end of this i'm gonna lose my shit <laughs> I think Mephisto is the one that I keep hearing potentially be the actual big bad. Cause what I think this is going to be is very similar to, I don't want to say very similar, actually just a little bit like Iron Man three, like the Mandarin was the bad guy. But when you come to find out like 
the one you saw wasn't the exact bad guy. It was someone else pulling the string. Like, I'm not saying Wanda is, you know, is just an actor in all this. It's there's somebody else kind of making her do this. So it, it looks like, oh my God, Wanda's the bad guy, but it's no, someone else is making her do this and Wanda doesn't know it. I think it's, then that's the thing though. I feel, like, I feel like they're making it to be like, she's like the, she, they're making it like she is the bad guy, but yeah, like she's not the big bad. It's just more so she's just losing control. But like, I feel like the person that's really like, the person that's wanting her, wanting her to lose control is either like a nightmare or Mephisto. Cause they mentioned nightmare like a couple of times in the series. Yeah. And I just wonder like if they, you know, they drop in all this Mephisto line, all these, you know, nightmare lines. I just wonder like, are they going to actually bring him in? And if they do, you know, are they using them as like, like the catalyst to break Wanda? Cause all Wanda is just one bad day away. Like what if like one of her kids die and she just goes ape shit and just reconstructs the entire, like half the world, you know? <laughs> well, that's like with the character to Agnes. I, th- I was just about to, <laughs> I think up, up until this past episode, I think she's, uh, oh, I forget her name off the top of my head, but the, the one witch character in the comic, Agatha. Agatha. Yeah. Ag- Agatha. Okay. Because there's been a lot of imagery with Agnes that relates to Agatha. So why, why wouldn't she be? But with this last episode, they make it seem like she's actually, uh, a victim. yeah. Like, so I don't know. And also I think with her, like they did, they never identified her real identity in an earlier episode where they found out like everybody else, but not, she was one of two that they didn't. Well, see, a part of me thinks like, I, I kind of feel like that's kind of like a swerve also because I feel like they, they are like playing it up to say, Hey, his, his Agnes. And she's making comments of like Ralph and all that stuff. But I'm thinking like, maybe, maybe she's not as powerful as what, as what we think. But I think she's as important as what we think. You know what I'm saying? Like she's not as powerful, but she's important because, because there's a bunch of different references to her wearing from her wearing her jewelry to her mentioning again, she mentioned Ralph. Like why she mentions her husband. And when she mentions her husband, it's always like a nighttime esque reference. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he only comes out at night or, you know, or we always have our nighttime me like Okay, so obviously this is like a reference to like a dark type figure. So it could be nightmare. It could be like a Mephisto type of character. And and like so I just love the fact that she's able to like that one line when she was like, "Hey, you want me to take it back from the top?" Like, how do you know? How how, how did you break out of that? I remember when she was like when in that '90s episode when she came out in her workouts and her workout clothes, and she was like, "Hey, you want me to take it from the top?" And yeah. I was like, well, "What do you mean?" And like, how would she know that? You know, how would she know to do that? So I just for me, honestly, like, I, I guess, like, even though I'm, even though I'm, spe- I'm doing all the speculating at the same time, bro, I'm kind of like just riding it. I'm kind of like just, all right, I'm enjoying it because I, I just love like the craziness of the story. I mean, it's because we haven't had an MCU movie in like a, a year and a half. So, like, it's uh, our first reason to dive back in and like piece things together. Cause that's how I always was during. MCU movies, I was piecing everything together, trying to figure out where things were going. Like, for example, I remember when they thought this was a way to decipher where all the the Infinity Stones were. They thought, like, every letter stood for Thanos. But the problem was one of the letters didn't fit. And that was the, wherever the Soul Stone actually was, didn't fit. 
Like the T was supposed to be for Tesseract. The H was for, which one was the H? The A was E. I think it was, they, 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 yeah, I know, I know you think they oh, on, um, H was the one we didn't find out. That's why I couldn't think of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. A was ether. N was necklace, which that was real, where it gets kind of loose. I'm like, yeah, the eye of Vagamoto is a necklace, but I don't know if that fits. The oh, O, never, the O uh, was the orb, and S is the scepter. Yeah, you're better than me, man. I never really try to like. I guess like for me, I never really like look into like the movies that that much, unless it was like the Winter Soldier, because I wanted to make sure that it was that they were bringing back Bucky. But other than that, I didn't really like. A lot of stuff that I was kind of like, all right, well, I feel like they might be going in that direction. All right, I'm gonna roll with it then. And like, okay, like for like for Infinity War, I felt that they might just do the whole. Like, people were shocked that they that they killed off everybody. I was like, they made two. They they called this part one. I do not think that they were gonna leave off part one in a high note at all. I, I like like I I felt like part one was gonna be yeah they're going is gonna leave off in like a whole shit moment like yeah everybody snapped so you so what are you gonna do like and so like when everybody was shocked I was like I kind of feel like they they needed to have the big the, the bad guy win that one to give them a reason to come back for the second one you know like though I I feel like the only one I'm really having a hard with a hard time like I guess understanding about where it might go is Doctor Strange because I have no idea where the hell that's going to go. I have no idea where, where the hell because it's only been one movie. When Affinity War came out and we, we got in the middle of that movie, there's one moment that I pretty much figured out what was going to happen. Just a, I kind of foreshadowed it really early on and that was the fact that Thanos was going to sacrifice Gamora. I knew you had to sacrifice a soul for the soul stone. That was kind of a thing that they dragged from the comic books. I knew that's kind of where they were going to have to go. And Thanos didn't have many lines before Infinity War. But one of his bigger lines in Guardians of the Galaxy, he called Gamora his favorite daughter. So when they said in the movie, like, you have to sacrifice someone you love. Oh, yeah. Like, immediately, I saw what was coming. And I've said this a million times before, but I still love it. Like when Gamora's laughing, I was like, what are you laughing at, bitch? You dead. <laughs> you know, I honestly, like I was, I was enjoying the fact that they, they went with it on like on her and Black Widow. Like they, they were able to like to really be like, oh, you know, screw it. We're going to pull the trigger on this. And that they gave it a full reset on uh on gamora i'm just wondering how they're gonna do this black widow movie like actually because that black widow movie has been up in the air for a while so i'm like wondering how are they gonna shoot this black like what is gonna happen with this black widow movie well the black widow movie is supposed to be a prequel yeah and and i want but it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be a prequel but it's supposed to help it's supposed to be a bridge to the next to the next phase they said they said it's supposed to be like a, a bridge to the next phase and I'm wondering, like, well, how are they gonna? How? Like, what are you gonna do? Like, like, what? what like, she's already died. She already died. So, what, what? Are they gonna bring Romanoff back? Like, what's gonna happen? Like, I, I have so many questions because it's like they're hyping it up as if it's like a, oh, well, it's gonna tell you, it's gonna, it's going to tell you more about what's gonna happen in the next, com- uh, in the next coming future. And you know, they might have, uh, I don't know, they might have like, um. I don't know, it might have some Galactus stuff in there. It might have some, uh, some, oh my gosh, uh, Kane the Conqueror. 
it might have like a reference to Kane the Conqueror because I hear he's supposed to be the next big bad that they're supposed to have where Kane is like going around messing, messing with different timelines. It is, it's so many different possibilities that they can do with this. I'm just wondering how they're going to end this Black Widow movie because, again, they're hyping it up as if, like, hey, we need to put out this movie because it's really going to put, it's really going to, to bridge the gap to the next phase. Yeah, they've really had to restructure it a little bit. Like, granted, like, I think that's still supposed to be the first movie coming out, but now we're getting WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, we're getting those as like series, but I mean, like just like as movies. I just wonder, like, what are they gonna do as like like for that movie? Because because like, they were like supposed to hype it up. I just feel like, just how are they gonna like pres- like again? Because as a prequel, it's hard to market off prequels, bro. Because like when you get a prequel, you, you you're now presenting a story that everybody already knows what's gonna happen. So what are you gonna present in this prequel that we don't know? that's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what can you present to the, to the viewer that will help them understand the story more that will, that's something that we don't know that's going to happen. Like, what can you, like, what can you show us? And I'm, I'm just curious to see. I have faith in the MCU. I do too. I do too. I, I got faith in a lot of them, man. I got faith. I got faith in all. The only, the only, the only thing I'm like, the only thing I'm like really not, um, not even worried about. I'm just like I'm very curious about how they're gonna do this. Is the what if universe? Oh, I, I'm really excited for that. I am too. I'm just wondering how how are they gonna film all that? Like how are they gonna do like what if Cap what if Captain America got Venom symbiote? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. Uh, if I'm correct, the what if episodes are gonna be animated. Oh, they're gonna be animated. Nice. Yeah, that's what I got from it. It's like instead of like having to go and like film all these what if scenarios, they can just, you know, put some sort of animation to it and be able to crank out a lot more episodes and especially everything, you know, that happened with COVID depending on when those episodes were written, that was going to make it a whole lot easier to do because at least the voice acting could be done at home. Yeah. Yeah. Voice acting can be done at home. Okay. I can see that. I, I do hope that they can get at least one live action. What if, cause that'd be dope to see, to see one like live action. What if like, Hey, what if, Deadpool killed the entire Marvel universe. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like one crazy. Like, what if Bruce Banner's like, what if like Bruce Banner didn't get hit with the gamma radiation? What like, what would happen now? Like, uh, they can just do one one live action. What if make the all make all the other ones animated? I'm cool with that. But if they can just do one live action, what if? I'm not gonna lie, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be really happy. I think that the other thing too with how they've had to restructure things, like granted. WandaVision and Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are series, but like all these are supposed to intertwine together. I think, I mean, with Black Widow, even the fact that's in the past, the fact that we're about to get a lot of crazy timeline stuff could really play a factor somewhere down the line. Like the fact that we're getting to a point of, especially when we get into the Loki series of how like all these different timelines are, and obviously with the multiverse stuff, like sky's the limit. And the fact that we're getting to this point kind of goes back to what I was saying before, of like when we went from Iron Man to the Avengers and the Avengers to Infinity War and Endgame of like watching how this has all evolved. And now we're going to get into the, a very complicated idea of multiverses and all this kind of stuff. It's it's so interesting. I mean, also, too, like dude, it could bring the concept of bringing people back from the dead. And 
and also like you know giving them variations of themselves like and I honestly like the whole concept of this whole universe thing is really cool because it's really I guess influencing other people to create their own universes or aspects of media you know like, like we mentioned wrestling like I love the fact that wrestling is trying to like wrestling promotions are trying to create essentially their own universe like, I, I think that's dope I think that having that type of that type of concept building is, is really cool, you know, because it gives like so many different opportunities for so many different things. One, one topic I want to touch on uh, before we start to wrap things up and the fact that this is black history month and we have the idea behind this month is to spotlight black wrestlers, uh, black, I should say black individuals involved in wrestling because Xavier Franklin is a referee and not a wrestler, but you get the point, but I want to know, you know, what kind of struggles have you had uh, in your life, either growing up or whatever, even in, in professional wrestling, have you had because you're black? Well, I mean, honestly, bro, like, just to go into, I mean, the whole thing of, uh, of the issues I had to face from just, oh God, being a, not just like a black kid, but like a black kid that doesn't sound like the, what society likes to deem as the stereotypical black kid like that's that's a lot of this stuff i had to do mainly like i mean of course being like a, a large black male that's where it's like you know you automatically looked at a lot of times even even when people don't really want to say it you looked at automatically as a threat because it's like you know if you don't don't get too loud because you because then you'll be labeled as angry don't get too, you know, don't get too, uh, don't get too, too passionate sounding or too angry sounding. Cause you, you'll be labeled as an angry black man or angry black woman, you know, but, um, a lot of times, man, like in my life, like dude, just growing up, I had to deal with, I would say racism on, on, on different ends. Cause like if we went in, of course, like the stereotypical racism of, you know, a person of a different race, a white person or some type of individual of a different race, really, that just has a, a mindset of what a stereotypical thought of what, American blacks are and you know being from the east side of Detroit you know people automatically had a, a, a thought of what most black people were already you know non-educated non-understanding you know can't can't really speak you know properly that, that type of deal and then you know I mean both my parents are highly educated people my father graduated college my mother is one of the top nurses in Michigan uh, and most sought after uh, nurses in Michigan, and you know they had to fight tooth and nail themselves to get it. Like my like my mother, she was born and raised in Pine Bluff, down in Little Rock, Arkansas. Just and I mean just the racism she had to face. Like her family was drove and was driven out of town at one point because her father literally fought fight fought against two cops that were calling him boy, you know, and um, and I guess in a way I kind of like this like. We, now it's not like <laughs> racism is so funny like racism is it can be so out out outwardly now but it's so done it can be done so passively in different ways like i'll tell you i'll tell you a situation before i get into the wrestling thing i'm sorry i'm going off no no but, keep going this is uh uh obviously something that you can speak on a lot more than i can this is like um like that's something that happened yesterday. Like I, I had one snowboarding actually, and um, and yeah, I got I got into it with a uh, with this guy that was at the lift the the 
he was like the lift manager or whatever, like the snowboard lifting. He accused me like of like jumping onto like the seat, and literally, and when I say accused, he literally he's like he said you're doing this. He's like, he's like, I know you're jumping onto it just to break it. I know you're jumping onto it. Why are you jumping onto it just to do just to just to cause the damage? I'm like, sir, if I was jumping on, like, why would I purposely do something to cause more harm, to to put other people in harm in dangerous way? Like, how would you tell me? How you like to? How would you like me to sit on this lift seat properly instead of yelling at me? And he came up to me, and this is kind of like this honestly kind of like a whole thing that goes into the 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 thought of like authority figures with black people. Cause right when I started, I was kind of like telling him like, and, and telling him like, sir, I'm not doing this purposely. He, he said to me, he was like, don't give me any lip. And it's like, who? Like, I'm not like, I'm not a kid. So, you know, it was like a, like that was a whole, that was a whole situation where he, he essentially just kind of like trying to take a role of like a, of an authority figure and say, Hey, don't give me any lip. It's like, dude, we're, we're both adults here. We're both talking about a situation that we could just square away. And if you just tell me exactly how you would like me to sit on this lift for you to make your job easier and no problem. And I said it and I went back to him and apologized twice. And, um, well, I, I mean, I went back to him and apologized. And when I went back to him and apologized, he still kept on trying to cut me off. And, it was just interesting because he also kind of put my he also put my girlfriend in danger also because when he like he he kept on pressing the lift button and we I was trying to talk to him he kept on pressing the lift button and he wouldn't even let us like he wouldn't even let me talk talk to him and I was like and my girlfriend was like she was heated she was ready to go to management I was like no 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 sorry let's just let's I'm gonna talk it over with him I'm gonna tell him what's going on and essentially I was the one that apologized. I didn't, in my opinion, I, I mean, I didn't do anything detrimental. I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I apologize. He's the one that put us in danger, put my girlfriend in danger by starting that lift and just pretty much not even telling us what's going on, just starting it and having it hit us, essentially. And then even still with that apology, he still felt authoritative enough to still say, to still try to cut me off during that apology. He was saying things like, no, 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 time out, time out. Like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, no. You let me talk. Let me finish my sentence, and then you can go. And once I said that, he kind of shut up and he kind of calmed down. But it's just like, you know, being a black male is like you automatically have a you, you. And it sounds and it sounds so funny saying it in America because like we've had this like I feel like we've had this talk for over seven hundred freaking years. But it's like to be a black man in America literally is to like live in a state of insanity sometimes. Cause it's like you have this automatic assumption of that people have of you that you're either dangerous, you're either loud, or you're reckless, and it's an automatic assumption. And I know this is an assumption because uh, to go back to the whole professional wrestling thing, how it affected me in professional wrestling. Um, somebody who you actually, who I feel, like, yeah, you know, even some of the IW crowd would know, even actually most of the wrestling community in the Midwest would know. But that was a person who pulled me aside. I mean, it was my first year wrestling. And I've only been in business for, for about six years now. But he pulled me aside. And he was like, yeah, you're going to be a heel in this business. A heel to those who are just not listening. Bad guy. He said, you're going to be a heel in this business forever. I was like, well, why you? I'm looking at him like confused. Like, what do you mean I'm going to be a heel? Like, always. And mind you, I haven't had a match yet. He said, you're always going to be a heel in this business. And he said, because you're big and black, that's why. And it was no joke. 
I was waiting for a punchline. I was honestly waiting, like, okay, like, 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 cause I, I've, you know, I've, I'm from fraternity. I have, I have white frat brothers and black frat brothers and Latino frat brothers. And yeah, we, we joke around with us in a comfortable, in a comfortable surrounding. Like we joke with ourselves in a comfortable surrounding. We understand. I feel like me and this individual, we kind of develop some type of rapport with each other or we could like have a uh, comfortable joking with each other. Like I said, jokes, he says, no problem. I was waiting for the punchline. Nothing was said. And they were just like, yeah, you're just, you're going to be a heel in this business forever because you're big and black and that's all they see. And that took me back like so much. Like that took me back. So like that took me back through like so many different like thoughts that I have. Like, wow, is this really like, this is really what I'm experiencing right now. Like this is like, they, like, they really only see me like this. Like this is really only though. This is the only thing people see me as right now. Hmm. Okay. And so Basically, I kind of like, I guess in a way that even that influenced me even more to be as different and as myself as possible. That's why being Shogun is so important to me, you know, because, like, you know, when I step out, when I step out there, you don't you don't see some angry black man. You know, you see a, a individual who's ready to compete, an individual who's ready to suplex the fuck out of whoever is competing against him because he has an ultimate goal of proving himself to be the best through hard work and determination. But it's just interesting that because, you know, the color of my skin is automatically assumed that, you know, Hey, you're going to be at this tier. That's just, that's the most that you're going to get. That's, that's the most that you can achieve. And so then, you know, my trainers, you know, my trainer and uh, brain X and then James West, you know, they said, no, we're going to make sure that you are, the most sought after face in the business. And they worked hard for that. They, they, they put me, they put me in situations to, to get there and they gave me the tools and, and the knowledge to get there. And they believed in me. And, um, and I can't thank them enough for that because apparently according to the other person, if I went to any other place, I probably would just been a, a heel my entire time, you know? And, um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of situations growing the business that happen like that. Like the funniest thing is like being a rest, being a wrestler is like, you know, a superhero to a lot of people, you know, we're literally superheroes. And so it's, you know, as a super, I'm welcoming, I'm loving and open to every, anybody, and everybody during the heat of the elections, like the, um, the, the, the second set of elections, I'm sorry, no, not second set, the first set, cause it's during the whole Hillary, the e- emails, but during that whole thing, you know, make America great hats were everywhere. <laughs> we were, um, me and my crew, we were up north in, um, in northern Michigan, Calcasset, Michigan. I love the people there. I love the fans there. Um, there were some particular fans out there, though, that had make America great, uh, make America, uh, make America great again hats. And they were rocking them hard. And, you know, they had a couple kids with them. But even though they were rocking that hat, which that hat, represents a ideal that says that we are not supposed to be um like we are supposed to be we're supposed to be segregated like that hat literally says to me we're supposed to be segregated because to me i mean america if you can tell me when america has actually been at its peak socially cool tell me because it hasn't been great and a lot of people that refer to make America great again are the people who were talking about where lynching was open lynching was like allowed to be done and open um and 
But it's just funny because like when those fans went to me, they literally threw their grandkids at me and said, hey, take pictures of my grandkids. We're going to buy your stuff. We're a huge fan of you. We, we love you. Mind you, I'm next to my other, my other good friend. We are literally the two darkest individuals in the room. But yet they, they're loving us. But yet their hat says something completely different because their hat represents an ideal that goes back and says, we're not supposed to have this type, this type of sociable reckoning, this type of, uh, you know, like, you know, we're supposed to be racially superior. Like, like that's what that hat says. To me. Like that hat says racial superiority. That hat, like that hat says so many different things. And that's not positive. But yeah, for that person to come to me and be like, I'm your biggest, I'm one of your biggest fans. Here's my, yeah, here's my grandkid. Take a picture with them. We'll buy your stuff. It's just so interesting, you know? But, um, yeah, man, to be black in America, and I always go by the James Baldwin quote, it's just, it's just to stay in a certain state of sanity. Cause you're constantly going against common sense. Uh, and it's, it's weird. It's very weird. And I mean, even now, like I celebrate the Japanese and Asian arts because it's helped me really discipline myself and, and sculpture me. But it's so weird because like, um, you know, people will see, well, uh, all, you know, you, you're a black shogun. Like, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating this art. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm black, but also it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, Wu-Tang Clan, they were black. You know what I mean? They were celebrating <laughs> the art form because they, you know, it's, yeah, it's, and it's something that also brought them together. If you learn about the story of that, you know, they, they love the story of the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang Clan in the actual movie. And the Wu-Tang Clan had the, had this illest sword technique and they were brought together by a kinship and brotherhood. And it's like, you know, we as black people, we can celebrate that as well. But then, it's just interesting, man, because like dealing with that and also dealing with like the other racist aspect of where well, you're not black enough. I've literally been told that like you're not black enough to do this. I've been told that by black people, you know, and it's and that shit will hurt. Where you know you were here from your other from your other people, like damn, like, I hear it from white people, like that sucks hearing it from white people. Because like who the hell are you to tell a person who you're not you're not even part of this race? How are you gonna say you're not good enough to be part of that race? It's crazy here from black people, you know, and, you know, I guess I, I, I shrug it off, but to be honest with you, it's one of those things that it does stick with you every now and then, but, uh, that's where the terms al- alternative, you'll hear terms like alternative blacks. That just means that they're the black kid that is open to white culture or what you would hear. Like the, they probably listen to Blink-182 or like listen to like some kind of rock shit or whatever. Like that terminology is so interesting. It's so interestingly like used and uh, it's just used to describe a person's, a black person's likes. That's also in white culture, if you know what I mean. But I'm going off, I'm going off on tangents. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm trying to give the real, the real answer on like, you know, on that whole thing. But yeah. I mean, like this is the purpose of having having these episodes and having these conversations. Like I know if everybody listened last week, I, we didn't really get into it with Xavier only because he told me before we started, he didn't really have anything, but to have this kind of conversation and like, it's, it's a, a time for you to open up and it's not something that gets talked about on every single podcast. And, you know, the year that we've had over, you know, over the past year, 
going back to everything with Black Lives Matter, which I know Black Lives Matter has been around for a long time, but or at least, you know, you know, a handful of years, but it, it was before 2020. But last year it took center stage in a lot of the things that were going on in this country. And it's something that it it's like a reminder. It, I wanted to label this month, you know, Black Wrestlers Matter. But the fact that I know there is the company out there, Black Wrestlers Matter, I did not want to take that away from them. And I think, you know, this is like a perfect time, not, not even just this month, but just this in general is to spotlight any type of different wrestler out there, like not even just, you know, people of color. I love the idea that what we were supposed to have last year during the collective, even though we did, I, yeah, we, I think we ended up getting both of them, but we had for the culture, which spotlighted people of color. And then we had, you know, Effie's show, which spotlighted people that didn't necessarily follow, you know, straight cis guidelines. And to me, I was like, this is great. We're spotlighting people who are different. Let's do this because it, it lets people be comfortable in their own skin. Like, uh, people that follow LBGTQ and all that kind of stuff. And then you have for the culture. And to me, I mean, they're, I don't know firsthand, but there's definitely oppression probably within the industry, but definitely in wrestlers lives. And to the fact of, and I, I think I mentioned this with Jocelyn, I had friends who, you know, they're, they're people of color and they kind of got on me if I didn't like black wrestlers and they all, they didn't necessarily say it, but they kind of implied like, Oh, you must be racist because like, Oh, we like all these black wrestlers, but there was some that I just couldn't get behind. So I kind of like questioned myself, but then I looked at the independency and I'm like, no, I love, I love all these guys. I love PB Smith. I love Jackson Stone. I love Jocelyn Navarro. I love, uh, AJ gray. I love Trey Lamar. I love, uh, O'Shea Edwards. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's just those companies. Like if maybe when some of those wrestlers get there, I just get disconnected. But the people that I see all the time, I love these people. So no, like I was just looking at it wrong. Like all these people are great and I want to see them succeed. So when for the culture came up, so when black wrestlers matter came up, I'm like, yes, spotlight everybody. This is awesome. Definitely. man. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is wanting to see, wanting to see variation and, wanting to see people break that glass ceiling that they that, that they have and being able to to break that glass ceiling you know like we don't want people to feel like they have to be confined to a certain type of persona or characteristic you know like i you know we always say wrestling is for everybody and when it comes down to black people like i really want if a black person is coming into the business i want them to feel open and welcome to the business to where they can be they can present it they can present their art you know however they want in full form you know like exactly how i did you know like i feel like when i'm out there when i'm out there i am shogun shogun is me people feel that energy you know and i want them i want that black person that's coming into the business whether they are whether they are a wrestler or they or they take the route that Xavier does and they go the route of a ref or even go into doing backstage work. I want them to feel welcome and open, you know, in their in their environment. Jocelyn described it as every time you get a locker room, either more with there more than, you know, two black wrestlers in it, that it, it's kind of like a family reunion and a lot of you just click. Uh, yeah. I, I, say, how, I was going to say, how do you feel about that? Like, agree? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like uh, it's like it's like that. Joke. You ever see? Are you a fan of Jay, Dave Chappelle? Ah, uh, I, I never got really into him. Sadly, all right. There's a, 
there's a joke that he had. I will, I will say, like, there's a joke that he had that when he was talking about being on the plane, and he was like, yeah, there's this, there was this African dude on the other side of the plane <laughs> while while my plane was getting taken hostage. And all we did, it was an African dude. We were the only two black dudes on the, on the plane. We just looked at each other, and we just shook our heads. And he gave me a thumbs up, and I shook my head. And we knew the situation. <laughs> and we knew in that situation we had each other's backs. That's exactly how it is. Like, no matter what, in that situation, we had to have each other's backs because, I mean, and I mean, I guess not trying to get deep into it, but it kind of goes into, I guess, this kind of how I look into it. I look into it in terms of like, I mean, a lot of our ancestors were separated from the beginning. Like, I mean, shit, you got like, if you go into like actual slave separation days and stuff like that of them coming over to uh, like America, you have, you know, one guy from one tribe, one guy from another tribe, they're separated completely from their families. And, you know, they have to really hold each other down. And for me, I kind of, I mean, I, I don't I look at it in terms of like, I really have to, I, I am my brother's keeper. Like, I want to make sure that he's feeling as welcome, he's feeling as welcome here just as much as I am. And I'll go out my way to make sure he is, you know, and not just, and not just in, in, and again, not just in black wrestlers, of course, like all in all wrestlers, but like, yeah, whenever I see a black wrestler in the locker room, it's like, yo, you got me. I got you. Cool. I wash your back. You wash mine. That's cool to hear. Because I mean, I, I mean, ultimately it's kind of like we, we both sacrifice something to get here. We don't know. Again, we, we both sacrifice something and endure something to get here. And so we want to make sure that we both get the most out of our experience. And I, I want to make sure he gets the most out of, out of his experience, you know. So I hope I will hope the same that I will hope that they would feel the same. And for the most part, yeah, it is like that. It's like that, you know. It's like a whole family barbecue. It's like a whole like, hey, what up, man? <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's like seeing that cousin you haven't seen in a long time, and now you was like seeing him. He's like, you haven't skipped a beat. Like when I see when I see the main event, like when I see Duke and Gannon. Hell yeah, love them. Hell yeah, like I light up because like they just. They just bring that love and that energy to me, you know. Yeah, that, and same thing. Same thing for Jocelyn. Same thing for Jocelyn, short ass. And same thing for like for for um for Lee and Trey, you know, and and uh Chris and Chris Bay out in Impact, like all of them. Like whenever I see them, you know, it's always just, it's always mad love. I love seeing a lot of wrestlers succeed, and I look at um I look at Lee. Lee's just a dude that went from wrestling smaller shows in Pittsburgh and little bit in Cleveland and manages to get a tryout while well, he does the new talent initiative for AIW. And then within like that year, like he just starts to blow up, finally gets, you know, a dream match versus Alex Shelley, you know, that that turns into a trilogy and really starts to put him on the map even more. And, you know, since then, you know, he's wrestled in GCW and he's one of those dudes that I, I really want to see go to Japan. I want to see him kick ass. I want to see him become a bigger name. And like following in his footsteps is, you know, the main event, you know, that's another team. Like they were just kind of this, you know, Pittsburgh kind of Cleveland team where nothing much out of that area. And hopefully when everything opens back up, you know, they start to do more and more and more because they they were a team. I'll openly admit when I first seen them, I kind of didn't like them, but uh, that was the point. Like if I'm correct, like almost every place they worked other than Pittsburgh, they were heel. And that, that, that cockiness of that team can be real annoying, but over time I admired the work 
and I even like heckled them one time. Nothing like horrible. It was just uh, they wrestled. They were an IWC, obviously, at that time. And I think they had just lost the tag titles or something. And they were tag team champions uh, in the Youngstown area. Some promotion. I can't remember off the top of my head. And while they had the titles, I was like, yeah, what about your IWC titles? They're like, hey, hey, hey we, don't, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. And uh, just the way they handled it. I, I've loved it. And like, too, like, no one really talks about them. The fact of, uh, and I just seen uh, Duke post about this, but their, their uh, suits, uh, their matching attire, whatever you want to call it. Like it's, they have more than one look and they always look really good. Oh man, they're very versatile. Yeah. Very versatile. And honestly, like a group of guys that, I feel like that just get overlooked for real. Like I feel like they're a group of guys that get overlooked like the most. And I think they need love the most. And I think when AIW starts up and this is just a shout out to AIW, like they need to get on, like the AIW needs to bring them onto their show. Like, like for real, because if you talk about like top tier people, top tier athletes, those are the type of guys that you want for real. And I'm not just talking like, not just for AIW, but just promotions in general. Like, um, the Suplex Shogun vouches heavily for TME. Uh, TME versus PME. That that's a uh, on a marquee somewhere. I think, I think that happened actually. Or at least I was booked to happen. Not sure. Not sure. But honestly, I think that'd be a great match. But yeah, I think just like that's a great. That's another great team. But yeah, man. Honestly, I think that if if like just right now, like. How versatile wrestling is because you mentioned you mentioned um, Effie's Effie show earlier. Like I think shows like that, you know, are important to have. Like um, the Black Lives Matter show; those are important to have because it really highlights it really highlights like people and wrestlers that ultimately I feel get pushed get get pushed back in other shows, whether it be because they aren't part of a particular clique. You know, but um, but I think it's good because I also highlights that yeah, I highlights that yeah. Right now, wrestling is black. Pro, professional wrestling is black, and also like it's just it's honestly just gonna get more and more prominent in the future. Like we have great athletic, we have great athletic people in the business. We have great charismatic people in the business. We have great minds in the business, and it's so cool to see. And to keep on that subject about black about black wrestlers, like it's so cool to see the older ones now be the people who are who are kind of pushing and managing talent now. Like Booker T has his own wrestling promotion down south, and he's literally pushing talent. Like Devon Dudley is pushing talent. Most definitely, you know, like that, like that, that type of stuff is just cool to see. And hopefully, one day, man, hopefully one day we can, you know. It can be a suplex showgun school, <laughs> you know, but I mean, yeah, dude, like I, I, I appreciate you doing that, um, doing that for the black wrestlers of, especially in, you know, in this time. And honestly, bro, I just keep on talking about it because the most, that's the, that's the best way just to keep this whole thing going. Because again, there's so many black talent out there, man. Like, like you mentioned AJ Gray earlier. He's another one, you know, PB smooth. He's another one. Um, you know, again, we mentioned Trey a couple of times, Lee, you know, and, and out here, out here is Isaiah. I don't know if you know about Isaiah Bronner. You know, Isaiah Bronner is definitely another one to yeah. look out for. Uh, Jamal King, like just all these great talent, talented guys, man, um, and women. So it's, it's only going to get better from here. All right. Let's uh, 
Let's start to wrap this show up and get into the Fave 5 questions. Hey, this is Booker T, five-time champ, and this is the Fave 5 questions. Now, can you dig it? Yeah, speaking of Booker T, there he is. Anyway, uh, question number one, uh, let's go with, you know what? This is a new question I haven't asked anybody yet, so you get to be the first one. Oh, yeah. Oreos or Chips Ahoy? Uh, Chips Ahoy. Uh, any particular reason why? Uh, they have variations. Uh, I, I mean, Oreo does too. Yeah, but I mean, Chips Ahoy actually has like peanut, like greasy peanut butter and all that stuff attached to it. And yeah, like, they, they actually have like better variations to me. Like, I mean, Oreos is, is, is a classic one though. You can't, I can't deny that. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I mean, it just depends on the time of day. It just depends yeah, when. You know what? Cause sometimes you, know what, damn, you ain't tell me I, I got an answer like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, you I could answer like that, damn it. <laughs> I think if you were to ask me right now, I'd probably say Oreos because one of the last time I had regular Oreos, because I mean, I'm a sucker for trying any new flavor, and that's some of the recent Oreos I've had, which most of them, besides s'mores, are like good for a one time try and then I'm normally done. But give me uh, something regular, whether it be regular stuff, double stuff, mega stuff, all the stuff. Love them. Love them all. But one of the last. Oreos I had that was regular, I like dunked it in milk and it just seemed to suck up the milk quicker than any other cookie. And when I ate it, you know, it just crumbles, crumbled in my mouth. So right now I'm more that, but every so once in a while I will get into a chocolate chip cookie phase and that's all I want. Oh yeah, I um honestly I like I like the chunky, chunky, crunchy kind. Yeah. And uh yeah, for Oreos, they have a they have a, a double chocolate fudge, kind of like a double chocolate fudge filling. I love that kind. And they also have a birthday, like a Funfetti, like birthday cake type filling. I love that kind too. But hey, man, standards is always good too. Shogun, Shogun is very. I'm, I'm, I can variate. I'm good with both. <laughs> uh, question number two: favorite arcade game? Mm, has to be, has to be Time Crisis. Time Crisis two for sure. Not sure I'm familiar with that one. Oh man, it was such a it was such a fun game. Like it came with the, um, it came with the step, the, like the little step pedal, and yeah. basically whenever you stepped on the pedal, that would give you cover. Like, oh, okay. So, so so if you stepped on the pedal, you would go into cover, and you when you release, you go back into action, and you start popping off everybody. And uh, they had like a, a another remote controller too, where your friend could team up with you. It was so much fun. See, normally when I ask people that question, it's a lot of like your regular arcade cabinet, but that's a little bit different. And then it kind of reminds me of if I go outside the arcade cabinet realm, one of my favorite ones is uh, Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Terminator 2 was fun, too. Terminator, I didn't play that one too much, but when I did, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, another one, actually, Streets, Streets of Rage. That's a classic one. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm surprised no one's ever told me like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Nobody ever said, you know what, man, honestly... I would like to say Street Fighter more kind, but I thought people were going. I thought people would say that a lot. <laughs> I think when I, coming granted, like because I ask these questions randomly. I think anytime I've asked it, like I said, it's a lot of uh, the sideways, uh, not sideways, but side scrolling beat 'em ups. Which I mean, yeah, granted, yeah. like it's always side scrollers. But literally, like all most of those are my favorites. Like all of them were all of my favorites were re released on Xbox. Like The Simpsons, X Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Turtles in Time. Oh, they, they re-released the X-Men one, too? 
they did for a short amount of time. I have a 360 somewhere that still has like that on a hard drive. Holy shit. They released the excellent one. Oh my God. Cause dude, that was like, that was my, like, out of the mm-hmm. three, that was the one. I, Cause I mean, I love the Simpsons one. I love the Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtle one, but that one, oh my gosh, that excellent one was so much fun. You could play as Gambit, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yes, man. I always played as Nightcrawler. Oh, you always play as Nightcrawler. <laughs> is, is that your favorite? Uh, is that your favorite X Men in general? Actually, my favorite X Men is like way too obvious, and I didn't know how obvious it actually was. I, I might get this one wrong. What is it though? Cyclops. Really? His name is Scott. Oh, yeah, Summer. Is it, Summer. say his name is Scott Summers. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. As a, that's so on the nose. I did not even notice that. As a as a kid, I liked it because he shot lasers out of his eyes. And then come to find out like his name's Scott Summers. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because I think I mentioned I mentioned to a friend, I'm like, oh, yeah, Cyclops is my favorite. And he was like, he's only your favorite because it's your last name. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, his name's Scott Summers. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, you're okay, like, fine, whatever. Oh, yeah. You're like, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, you it's like you're right, but that's not why you're right. <laughs> did you like him in the uh, in the actual X Men movie, like how they portrayed him? Uh, I mean, they they did portray him as a dick. I mean, as a kid, like I didn't really realize him, like, how much of a dick he was. It's literally just going, "Oh, he shoots lasers out of his eyes." I think that's awesome. Like, Honestly, he all he was just he was just a boy scout. That's that's the only reason why he came off as a dick because he was just like he was trying to be Mister Goody Two Shoes all the time. And, and so, like, and that's why I like Captain America. That's why you like Cap. <laughs> I do. He's my. Yeah, I was. I was Team Cap all the way. I love Captain you know, America. I, I'm Team Cap all the way too. Thank you. Like I was the same way, bro. Like during uh, during Civil War, I was the same way. I thought Cap was right, and I thought Tony was honestly. I even I have a theory about that whole thing with him sacrificing himself. I thought that because it said you had to sacrifice. Because how did he get the? How do you get the actual um like the that other Infinity Gem that Thanos had to throw Gamora off the uh, off the cliff for? How do you get that? Uh, well, to uh, in the MCU, and I know it's necessarily not like the comics, but I think with that one, just to get it from uh, the the planet that it was, Volmir is that the the right word, the right planet? But anyway, do you have <laughs> I to? Like you, Tony, I feel like Tony sacrificed himself because he loved himself the most. Ah, uh, I never thought about that. I figured in in the MCU, it's just like you could transfer one person to one person to one person, but to to get it back from from death. Uh, from the Red Skull, you have to sacrifice somebody. But he I mean, did. that's kind yeah. of a, that's kind of a way to put it. Because I'm like, he he didn't sacrifice. Who else did he sacrifice? Like, even if he could have sacrificed anybody, like who else? Like, I mean, he didn't sacrifice anybody. He didn't sacrifice three like when when the Pothrow, three thousand cap. Like, he was a hundred percent. Tony was a hundred percent for himself. I'll always say, I had so many fun moments during Endgame, one of them was when Gwyneth Paltrow's, uh, her Iron Man character show up. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Like, I know that has a, its own di- separate name, but when she showed up as that, I got excited. Uh, when, obviously... Oh, yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden? No, it's not Iron Maiden. It's, uh, it's something else. I'd have to look it up. But uh, another one, obviously, like, Avengers Assemble. Like, just that, with all the Avengers coming out, and like getting to that moment of Avengers assemble, I had a markout moment in the, in the theater. Cause as soon as he said assemble, I was getting ready to applaud and I didn't care how many people were joining me because I had waited so long for that line. <laughs> for that line. Oh, it was so good. Bro. I, um, 
like the moment that he, it was like the moment when he had, um, when they was like, yeah, yeah, we're here, Cap. And then like, and all of a sudden you see Dr. Strange, like that, like that circle that Dr. Strange makes come out of nowhere. Everybody just started clapping. Like it was, they didn't even give it time. It was like the moment, the moment that thing opened up, everybody just lost their minds. In between, like, like when the, those started, when Black Panther came out. Yep. Yep. Like the moment T'Challa walked out. Uh, were there any other ones? Wait, that's, that's crazy. He died, man. Isn't it? Oh, uh, that it's the like, one thing I've crazy. thought about going up to Endgame, like not knowing that, uh, you know, he was going to die. Like they managed to go through all these movies and like nobody died. Not saying I caused it, but still like, and then seeing, you know, Chadwick Boseman pass. It's like, I'm much grant. Like the fact that he kept that all to himself for a long time, you know, yeah, man. props to him. He's good. He's going to go down, uh, just a one, one bad ass, but how they're going to recover from this is like what, what I'm willing, I'm wanting to see because I know they're not going to go this route. But like I look at it as the Nolan trilogy. I think if uh, Heath Ledger didn't die, uh, the Dark Knight Returns might have been different. Oh, dude, definitely. If he okay, if he Heath Ledger didn't die, they said they they were gonna do. Um, they they definitely had like a the sequel in in mind. But dude, like, can you imagine if he if he didn't die and he was in he was part of that DC like the uh, the Justice League thing. Can you imagine uh, Heath Ledger with that actual group of like that, that group of characters, that group of actors? Oh my gosh! But the fact that they had to change like the way they were doing those movies or doing yeah. that, the next movie makes me go, okay, like MCU has a big map. I know they're not going to go, okay, we have to derail. They're going to go, okay, we're going to have to go on a small detour, but we're going to come back and we're going to make everything work. No, yeah, like, I mean, what's your predictions? For Doctor Strange with the whole Wanda with this whole Wanda thing, like, how do you think they're going to actually bring him into that? Uh, I'm not sure. If it's anything, it's literally going to be the end credit scene of the last episode. I, I believe that too. Because I I think you can't bring him in for something like big within the episode. He has to be something towards the end. And you know, he has to be the cliffhanger. He has to be the cliffhanger. The fact that you know Vision doesn't remember anything is a is a weird concept i mean but granted we, we understand why he doesn't remember anything but still the fact like he didn't know who the avengers were and he doesn't know what life is like outside of west point or uh whatever the, the town's name is westview westview i knew i knew i had west part but still like ah oh, that it's going back like it's a storytelling it's a slow burn the fact that like the first episode only showed you a little bit didn't really show you oh, anything oh man they didn't they show you just enough they showed you just enough, man. Like, come on now. Like, you, like when they, like that first, like that first night when they had like that dinner with that couple. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, you, you had to be like, all right, some, something's weird here. I mean, like, the, <laughs> something, something's crazy. <laughs> I mean, the whole, the whole time it's been something's weird, but yeah. I know, and that exactly. That's I'm like, just like that first time, like when he was having that, like that dinner. I'm like, wow, something was very. I just love how creepy they're making it, though. Like, they're making it very, very creepy. All right, let's uh, move on to question number three. Oh, man, we're on question number three. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we sidetracked there a little bit. Uh, wings, boning or out? Uh, oh, man, boneless. Oh, that's that's a rarity answer. Boneless wings, for sure. Oh, wait, that's a rarity answer? How? What kind of what kind of insane people do you have on your podcast, sir? 
uh, majority of regular people that love bone-in wings. That 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 that, that loves complicated. That loves like you know wings that get taken over by the bone. Man, look, I love boneless wings, bro. There's nothing like taking a boneless wing and having the entire wing without having to worry about eating any other bone or having a, having a bone to deal with. Which I don't mind. Hey, I'll become a I'll become a crazy carnivore myself. But hey, man, I just love my boneless wings. I think if I grew up never eating fried chicken and I was handed some wings, some regular bone in wings, I would think it's crazy too. Well, would you, would you want to, his thing, do you like drums or do you like flats? That's the big question is drums or flats? Flats all day. Flats. You know what? I'm more, I'm not gonna lie, but I'm, I'm a drum person. I love my drums. I mean, I, I love drums too, but if you had a, if you had a bowl of, or a plate of wings in front of me that's all drums and all flats. I want to take flats because flats are the easiest to eat. They are? Pinch them at the end, stick the whole wing in your mouth. And bite, go from there. No, bite down and then yank the yank everything out, which is basically just mostly bone. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's the thing, bro. I just, at that point, I just go for the drum. I just <laughs> At that point, I just go like straight crazy drum style and just suck the whole, and just go for the whole like drum. Just give, just give that to me. But yeah, I'm a simple person, man. <laughs> Most people say bone in, and then obviously they always go with when they say bone in because bone out is is chicken nuggets. They're uh, what's the other one? Uh, chicken tenders. And the, the best answer actually I've ever heard was uh, they prefer bone in because bone out wings aren't real chicken wings. Wait, they said <laughs> because they're not dark meat. <laughs> I see that. And I thought that was a really, really good point. Like not going the chicken nugget route, not going the tender route, or not going like I just want to get messy route. Which I mean, I've I've been doing this forever, so that never bothers me. But the fact that they're not actually chicken wings, very interesting. I was saying like that's that's an interesting. Wait, that's a what kind of person said this? Like, <laughs> I need to get the full understanding of this individual. Actually, I don't remember who said that. Actually, like that's. A, that's a that's a pretty interesting statement to go by though, because they sound very confident in that too. <laughs> like if it's not, hold on, say it one more time for me. If it's not because it's not dark meat, it's not chicken wings. Yeah, I, that's a new one. That's a new one for me. But I, I do think that point is really interesting. That is that is very very interesting actually. That's a very, yeah, that's an interesting individual. <laughs> they must be eating good, but they they must be eating good. <laughs> <laughs> so like so so flats are the way to go though. For me. For you, yeah. yeah, that's that's unique. Okay, that's interesting. Because again, I'm 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 such a, I just love like my drums. I think that's because my I'm blame my mom for that. My mom always made like she made a, a bunch of drums all the time, especially like, for uh, Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, she made just pounds, pounds. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, bro, pounds of drums. Like just imagine your favorite your favorite restaurant to cook at or eat at. Um, I, I, I order from for, for uh, Super Bowl weekend. That's uh, that was my mom. That was my like my mom for sure. Like I, I used to be a drum guy, cause especially like growing up, which I don't know if everybody was like this, but you know they always say like I get this, this part from Chris Rock about how uh, you always give dad like the big piece of chicken. Always. I I always got what I always considered the kids piece of chicken, which was the drumstick. You always got the kids piece of chicken. <laughs> No, no, not not the little piece of chicken. I, I, well, I mean, as a kid, when you're like, you know, like six, seven, like a drumstick's right. perfect. 
Like I, right. And like actually to this day, because my fiance doesn't like drumsticks, like I always like, all right, drumsticks are mine. But you know, I I I have a nostalgia when it comes for just that piece of chicken. But the I fact that I can't, I don't love them as much now in drumstick form. I mean, I mean in uh, chicken wing form. I feel that though. I definitely feel that. It, I, I guess it can also be a, it can also be taken as a preference too, though. Definitely take it as a preference because I mean, like I think for me, I for flats, I just feel like I get done with flats so quick. I'm like, I need more meat now. I feel like I don't get all I can from okay. from. Fl- I've seen people for, for real fight over this, so I, I'm glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> I'm, I for real seen like friendships get tested over this shit. I mean, at the end of the day, I always say too, like, yeah, I prefer bone in wings and I prefer flats, but I'll eat bone out wings and I will eat uh drums. Like it's, it's it's all chicken, it's all good. I love I love it all. Right. Like it's it's still good. Like uh, good going with that question though. What's your favorite wing sauce? Oh, dude, Caribbean jerk. Oh, okay. Caribbean jerk, man. And you know what also do? I, I love um I love me a good buffalo sauce. I'm not gonna lie, I love a good buffalo sauce. Yeah. That's like one of the- really, like a good red hot buffalo sauce. I I love that, man. For me when it comes to that, like I'm I'm more of a barbecue person, but I love a I love a good mild too. Because that that can be a good test for when you go different places. Because if you if you fuck up a mild, don't eat there. It's bad. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Because, like, I love barbecue, but I can go to a lot of different barbecue or many different places that have barbecue, and it's going to taste different because just the levels of barbecue is crazy. But mild should be, like, one taste. <laughs> he says she says should be one, which is, like, which like a smoky like a smoky type. I don't know. Just, like, a regular mild. I don't know, man. I, I, if, look, if I have a mild, I kind of need, like, the risk, the risk of, like, uh, of it being spicy. Like, you know, like. Like it's like it's almost there, but it's not there. Like you know, like hey, like we're, we're on the cusp of something here. I need that. Like okay, have you ever had a, 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 a like the Carolina Reaper pepper? Ugh, fuck no, I hate hot um, stuff. Oh my god, bro! I, 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 first, first off, I love hot stuff, but Carolina Re- Reaper pepper, bro, is so good. Have it's, you? I mean, it's good when you like when you really know how to like to balance out the heat because some people just like the heat just to have the heat. Yeah. But when you actually like, like actually get it where it's like it's sweet and it's also tangy and it's hot, oh man, muy bueno. Have you done the uh, Quaker Steak Atomic Wing Challenge? The what? what? Have you done the Quaker Steak uh, Atomic Wing Challenge? I have not, sir. Ugh. Yeah, that's to that's like really hot. Actually, they don't have atomic wings anymore. They have triple atomic wings now, so. Triple, triple atomic. Oh my God. <laughs> and sounds- what is it? If you, you got to sign a waiver to eat them. Uh, the smallest you can order, you can get, which that's why a lot of people go, I believe is six wings. Uh, I can't remember. It used to be like for the regular atomic wings, you got a bumper sticker if you ate them. But I think with the, the triple atomic, it might be a t-shirt now. i tell you a story. Um, when we went out to, this show out of Chicago, me and a group of uh, Michigan wrestlers, one of them is named Edward DeGloso, shouts out to him, uh, Tony Vegas, and also Paul Bowser. They, we went out to this uh, Chicago hot sauce festival, and they were, of course, celebrating all the hot foods. And so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hype. We're walking around all in our wrestling stuff, just like acting crazy. 
we go to a booth and this guy's like and he has like this booth with this banner that says hot ass fuck hot ass fuck it's like all bold letters i'm like i don't care shogun likes it hot i walk up i grab a chip a tortilla chip i'm like yeah spray some of that sauce on it my man he drape he drenches he drenches this entire chip in this sauce he didn't even dip it he didn't put a little dab a little dot no he he literally drowns this chip in hot sauce i take the bite i'm not no punk take the bite <laughs> and then all of a sudden we just go right right into we go right into emergency mode we 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 we're panting we're we're sweltering we're going crazy i'm I, saliva just pouring out my mouth we're trying to rush to get some water we run past the actual ice cream shop that they had because they had like a little ice cream hut and we would we just went to that we would have been fine because you know ice you know anything milk just nullifies that that heat man we went we went right past that it was i'm telling you justin you have not experienced true mouth pain until you have a Carolina, until you have a Carolina pepper, <laughs> until you have an actual, like a, a whole uh, salsa, uh, a whole uh, salsa chip drenched in Carolina Reaper pepper sauce. It's crazy. That'll be a nope for me. I'm telling you, man. Is uh, is I like to live my life on the edge, but same sometimes I'm like, wow, that was that was uh, that was a little bit too much, and that was a little bit too much right there. But it was uh, still an experience. <laughs> All right, question number four. Uh, let's go with Step Brothers or Talladega Nights. Oh, Step Brothers. Any particular reason why? Uh, just because I've seen Step Brothers more in my uh, in my life. Uh, just honestly, yeah, like that's actually kind of funny. I've seen Step Brothers way more in my life than I have Talladega Nights, even though I've seen Talladega Nights a decent amount of times. And um, and also the the comedy in Step Brothers to me. I mean, both movies. Yeah, yeah, both movies really are just awesome. I can't even hate. Like, both movies are just amazing. But Step Brothers is, uh, I would say, if I had to choose one, it'd be Step Brothers. If I could choose an option C, it'd be the other guys. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the reason for me is just because I just love like just like that, that, that um physical comedy that they have in Step Brothers. Like, there's a part when um like when they just when he's playing the drums, he puts his nutsack on the drum. <laughs> yeah, and he just goes off. He just like <laughs> he just goes off, and Ozzy does the most sensible thing and takes the cymbal and hits him with it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. I mean, like when he tackles him. He tackles him, but yeah. Then later on, when when he starts playing his drums again, he said, "All right, I'm gonna take a cymbal and just hit hit you on top of the head." And he just goes out I'm like, "Yeah, that's perfect." And he faces his death, and then he just puts him in the ground. He said, "I was using my ninja breathing technique. <laughs> I was I was lowering my heart rate." I mean, they're they're both equally as funny, and that's like the thing with asking people which one they want to pick. I mean, most people are stuck between them they look like one just a little bit more i've only had one person say that Step Brothers is the worst movie ever whoa which <laughs> which to me really really surprised it's like wow like normally people are divided with that question but i mean even for me i mean i'm a talladega nights guy but i think it's because it came before Step Brothers, and i have a memory of when that movie came out me and my friends went to go watch it and then we literally went out to eat right afterwards and we just started quoting every single line we could think of and I, I, I kind of hold that memory in uh, high regards to how much I love that movie. But I, they're both like extremely quotable. They both are hilarious. And I mean, if someone says like, oh, I like Step Brothers more, I don't I don't hate them for it. I'm just like, I just, you know, 
I prefer the silliness, the fact of, you know, we're going to take Will Ferrell and put him in a comedy about NASCAR. To be honest with you, I think, like, I think both, yeah, I mean, both really hold up. I just, that, like, that's kind of like, just like, do you, I mean, do you like, uh, I, yeah, I feel like that's just, that's a difficult one to, to answer because, yeah, like, they're both is really good, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess I just pick Step Ups because, like, this, like, comedy is just, I love that sibling. The sibling comedy is what really draws me in because I have, I do have siblings and I have, like, with our frat brothers, we, like, our frat brothers literally just, we quote that movie and now as you mentioned it, like, I, we quote Talladega Nights for sure, especially that 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 uh, the food scene when he had uh, baby Jesus. When he was talking about baby Jesus, yeah. But like Step Brothers, I just I just find myself just quoting that movie just as much. Also, I guess like, but I, but I guess also that's why I just toss like the other guys in there for real because like to me I just felt like the other guys just is one of Will, Will Ferrell's top comedies. Also, I mean it's a little bit on the nose sometimes with, with Mark Wahlberg, but to be honest with you. I, uh, I, all, all those comedies have something that I really love. Like, um, oh man, the Catalina wine mix- mixer. <laughs> yep. The Catalina wine mixer. I love it. I, I, I love it. Like the, um, the brother on that too, the, uh, the younger brother, Derek, like <laughs> if I could be, if that could be like a, a, a person was like, Hey, um, just be a douche. That would be the that would be the perfect douche to model yourself after. <laughs> yeah, they're God. Both of, I we could go down a rabbit hole just talking about the funniest parts of both of those movies. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like in the in I mean, God in the in the midst of Will Ferrell movies, what is Anchorman? It's Talladega Nights. Um, it's the Step Brothers, and then it's the other guys. So like his top two thousand you know, year 2000 hits. All right, let's move on to question number five. Hey, real quick. What's your favorite quote from Talladega Nights? Since, since you enjoy it, like what's your favorite quote? Oh, uh, I'll give you my favorite quote from Step Brothers. Oh, uh, it's one of those things like just depends on time. It like time of day that I want to quote what part. Um, I mean, shake and bakes like the easy one. Uh, help me, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Use your witchcraft on me. Uh, then there's, uh, uh, what is it? Cause I don't, I don't want to fuck it up. Like, don't you do that? Don't you put that evil on me? Oh, and then there's like the kids too. They have great lines too. Like anarchy, anarchy. I don't know what that is. It's some of the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, when he was like, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, that's a def- I mean, anything those kids say. <laughs> Chip, I'm gonna come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> Yeah, that no, that movie, the, all those movies are classics. So, what's your favorite quote from Step Brothers? Um, definitely, it had to be um, <laughs> right. It was um, probably when he was like, "Yeah, um, this is how we do it," and then he was like, "Da da 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 da," and then he's like, "Hey, I forgot to ask you, yeah, you like guacamole?" And literally, just everything just falls right on top of him. <laughs> he goes in, he's like. He's like, so much blood. It's so much blood. It's everywhere. It's terrible. This is a terrible idea. Why would you have, have us do this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why would you encourage this from us? We'd have so much more room for activities. So much room. He said, we can do step class. <laughs> uh, he said, my head is spinning with how much activity we can do. I think one of my favorite little lines from Step Brothers is towards the end uh, when 
they have part of the the boat as their clubhouse and they're like, look, all oh, nudie magazines, blah, blah, blah. And then like they both have the Chewbacca mask on and John C. Riley's character one isn't like the same. Like it's a little bit uh, cheaper and he's like, mine's not <laughs> screen accurate, but oh, it's all right. <laughs> or somewhere, <laughs> somewhere along those lines. Just that whole, that whole part is hilarious to me. <laughs> it is. Ooh. All right. Question number five. Favorite flavor of Pop-Tarts? Oh, man. Uh, it's going to be between chocolate chip and um, also the one with the frosting. Stereotypical uh, strawberry filling. Yeah, I think I think the strawberry is uh, if you're going to go like stereotypical fruit answer, like it's that cherry and blueberry. But I think strawberry is like a strong, strong classic. Yeah, but I, but I will definitely go with chocolate chip though at the end of the day because chocolate chip was like when I first had that I was like man it's just too good. That's one of those that like granted I can eat pop tarts hot or cold, but it's really good like hot too because it is yeah. like it is like a nice like warm chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, yeah, and then it just it takes on a whole new world right there. Yeah, like I'm a I'm a s'mores guy. Like that's been my one of my favorites since I was like really little but other than that one like i do have chocolate chip higher up on my list and that's one that i haven't had for a while but i've actually had a little bit of a craving for lately but i just haven't went out and bought one. Oh yeah like actually there's a i swear that i've seen it and i keep forgetting to pick it up but next time i'm at target because i swear it's the only place that sells it there's like an organic pop tart or something that like, i mean made it's an actual pop tart and it, it's like apple and apple oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And apple's not like a regular, you know, pop tart flavor. And I've been I've been meaning to like pick it up every time I see it. But I've been double checking. Like, okay, they don't have it at Walmart. Okay, they don't have it at my local store. They don't have it here either. Like, it's like a Target exclusive, basically. <laughs> it's Target exclusive. I mean, that's that's crazy. I swear that's the only place I've seen it. Man. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm definitely going that chocolate chip though, for sure. And that's and also to like you know they have like a cookies and cream one also. Yeah, yeah, that's a. That's an older ish one. It's not. I know I've had it. Oh yeah. Been, actually, you know a really good one that I thought was only limited edition, but I think they brought it back full time. Fruit Loops. Oh, you know what? That that's really good. Oh, that's so good. Oh man. Oh uh, yeah, Fruit Fruit Loops. Oh my gosh, yeah, Fruit Loops be really good. Good call on that one. <laughs> All right, and question number six that I usually tailor around my guests for you. I want to know, do you have any dream matches left? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, dream matches right now, I'll say, of course, uh, Kiji Muda, uh, Muto. <laughs> uh, also, um, I mean, <sighs> I mean, oh, man, I'm sorry. Of course, Ishii, oh, man. Uh, Okada, yeah, Kazushka Okada, uh, Roshi Tanahashi. Oh man, um, I mean, shit. <laughs> also, I mean, he's not he's not in the game anymore, so never mind. But um, Kurt Angle, that's like a dream wrestler match right there to go against like the you know the, an Olympic wrestler like that. God, I won Atlanta. Oh my gosh, to go against him that'd be crazy. Just as as a student of the game, that'd be a dream match. But like him, uh, let's see. Let's see. Right now, I mean, a lot of people I've been getting hit up. That uh, people ask me about AJ Gray. 
I would like to have a match against him. Um, I like to have a match, honestly, in, in terms of like being an impact. I like to have a match against Eddie Edwards. Um, shoot, I would love to have a match, honestly, against um, against Madman Foden, Ace Austin, uh, Sammy, all those guys. Dream matches, though, I, I can't really have like it's not too many dream matches that I have right now in my head, man, because yeah. a lot of guys I had, uh, honestly, a lot of guys I wanted to uh, fight. <laughs> called uh called it you know like they hung up their boots so like uh i mean other than the great muda who's i mean again he's he's taking selective bookings other than him i can't really it's not too many other people i i mean rock and austin of course but he that's like come on that's a whole nother level that we gotta we gotta work towards on that one um taker if there's only a time machine you know like there's just so many i mean yeah like a lot of the guys I really want to, I, I had dreams, actually, like aspirations of going against are either towards the end of, you know, going towards retirement or retired. Um, I guess the most likely of anybody to really think about right now, though, would be Samoa Joe. If there was anybody that's like the mo- most likely, it would probably be Samoa Joe. Um, also, it's another Japan uh, athlete, but uh, uh, Jeff Cobb, shout out to Jeff Cobb. Um, definitely that's somebody who I would like to test my, my abilities against. So, yeah, I mean, that that's really it, though, man. Like, my, my list of people are very, very, very short. I'd love to see the Shogun versus the Big Bad Kaiju. Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 did, uh, I did see you. No, nah, yeah, I retweeted that. Yeah, man. And, yeah, honestly, bro, that would be a lot of fun, too, to face Kaiju. If, uh, if we can get that going. If Ring of Honor and Impact will be able to work on anything, get that going, that'd be great too. But uh, I mean, if not, if not, then if not, then then later on for sure. I mean that, or if you guys got a booking outside of both of those. Yeah, man, possibilities are endless. But I mean, for real, I, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a preference, man. I just want to go against whoever, whoever thinks that they are the baddest and whoever's uh, at the top of the game, for real. Like there's a lot of guys like down down south in Florida, of course, tearing it up. A lot of guys out in Indiana tearing it up. A lot of guys out in um, out in Nash, out in Nashville and mm-hmm. and Texas and New York tearing it up right now, man. Like, yeah, there's a there's a lot of a lot of great matches, a lot of great possibilities right now. I think the idea of you versus O'Shea Edwards is more of like a monster battle, and like yeah. just, just that aspect alone is cool. Like, I I like to try to think of matches that are that have some sort of like theme to it. Like I have a bunch of uh, dream matches on my, uh, on my phone of just ideas that I thought of like, okay, this would be kind of a fun match because these go together because of this. Yeah. No, I feel you. And I, I mean, for me, I'm, for me, I'm kind of like a, I want to just tell as many stories as I can with as many people. So, I mean, yeah. even if, like, even if like that person is not even near me in terms of style, like even if we're like completely polar opposites, in terms of style, I want to be able to have that match because I feel like we can tell, we can really, really get something going and tell some good stories. All right. This this episode has gone on a really, really, really long time. Any uh, final thoughts or last-minute plugs before we go? For sure. Uh, honestly, uh, hold on, let me do my stuff real quick. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, this is Suplex Shogun Jackson Stone coming in real quick to say what's up to you. want to thank you guys so much for tuning in, checking out, and listening to our conversation. 
me and wrestling cheers much love to you guys if you want to find me find me at my instagram jackson underscore stone 313 my facebook just type in jackson stone my twitter just type in jackson underscore stone 31 and just find me on youtube just type in jackson stone wrestler and uh so again shout me out shoot me any questions hit me up i'll be getting my website up soon find me on pro wrestling uh com as well shogun peace and of course you can find myself at chase summers 330 on facebook twitter and instagram much like you can find this show on facebook twitter and instagram facebook.com slash wrestling cheers twitter.com slash wrestling cheers and instagram.com slash wrestling cheers email if you so choose as i wrestling cheers at gmail.com and we have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net like i said earlier in the show please rate review and subscribe your ever listen to this fine podcast whether it be apple Podcasts, google podcast stitcher tune in youtube spotify iHeartRadio, pandora or podbean wrestling cheers.podbean.com and we have all the links for this in the show notes on our link tree link check out our friends on the trending topics network such as all beer inside your vision showcase the spanish announce table and wrestling with altitude check out our other podcast friends such as pod van dam super fantastic podcast it's evolution baby who just celebrated their 100th episode big congrats to them and they also had on special guest billy starks and for someone cool they covered jocelyn navarro there's also the IndieCast, SoBros Network, Biff Radio, Off the Hop Rope, Game Marks Podcast, We Like Sports Podcast, Powerbomb Jitsu, The Spotlight Series, Fully Posable, Doing the Favor, Positively Pro Wrestling, This Ends at Prom, IWTV Guide, At Odds with Wrestling, Best in the World Podcast, Marks with Mics, Dark Match Podcast, and Porch Talk. Check out our other non-podcasting friends such as... Thrift Store Jobber, The Savage Dash, The Mystery Men, Redline Radio, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, VHS Party Tonight on Instagram, The Co-Host Wrestling Show, Good Company, Toy Hio Toy Show, which was this past weekend, and it was absolutely awesome. And uh, maybe we have some news coming out from that show. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about it next week. So big shout out to Toy Hio. Time Capsule Toys, and also Smoking Jay's Barbecue, who sold out of food. It's great to see everybody there. And uh, word is, AIW is going to become a staple at Toy Ohio, so that's awesome to hear. Also, check out Stay Tough, Russell Void, Midwest Territory, Southern Underground Pro, and the official graphic designer of Wrestling Cheers, Moy Boy Designs. That will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when you're the Shogun. Well, well, well. Later. Later. It's the wrestling cheers. Get up on your feet. Praying in your day in the middle of the week. And you gotta love the show. Yeah, you know it holds a title for the best podcast. Talking wrestling in Ohio. Finishing a cold one. Take a load off. We ain't all about the prohibition like Josh. So we cheers. And then we sit back, other shows are in the trash, kinda like they Nick Stapp Like the name is Matt Justice, wearing all the gold Wrestling Cheers is coming to a close The number one podcast going in the game And one day everybody's gonna know the name It's the Wrestling Cheers This is Platinum Max, signing off Ohio, good night, the world, good night 
We love you. We'll see you next week.